Are we beginning now? It doesn't really seem like it. All right, hold on. Are you going to get the door? the door over here. I don't want to be one of those DJs that uh, has the door open. Hello, Tim. Hello. I think we're beginning today's broadcast. We're on the air. Think the oh, program on the air? I, the on-air light is uh, the on-air light is illuminated, which means it's time for salespeople to come open the door and interrupt us while we're trying to uh, do oh, a show don't here. Oh, be mean. I'm just saying. All right, who's in there chewing on a toothpick? Ah, so how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you want to do one of them spots for me? All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's Wednesday. Let's now begin the show. Common question is: a kid sent home from school because the kid's eyes are red. Do you have to treat every red eye, and is it contagious, and when are they contagious? Well, red eyes can mean a lot of different things. The most common reason is actually if during the spring is probably allergies. However, the thing that everybody's worried about is an allergic, is a viral conjunctivitis. A viral conjunctivitis is contagious, and it's something that it can spread to other kids, but it does not have a specific treatment. There's no specific antibiotics to treat it, and there's no specific... Um, there's no specific thing that you can do to prevent it from happening except for cleanliness as opposed to like changing your pillowcase, changing your towel each day, making sure you wash your hands before you touch your eyes, and also training, even training your own child in school never to touch his eyes unless he's washed his hands right before doing it. Because it doesn't just get generally contracted in the air, it has to do with people actually touching their eyes, somehow the virus getting into the eyes directly. So prevention is important. Prevention is important. Oh! Damn, Jonathan, what the hell got into you? Pink eye. Get the hell out of here, Jonathan. I don't want no goddamn pink eye. In other news, a pink eye epidemic is now sweeping the town of South Park. Here with a live report is a midget wearing a bikini. Thanks, Tom. Already more than half the townspeople here in South Park have been infected with the pink eye virus. Symptoms include a complete loss of heart functions, blood pressure, lung activity, and, of course, sticky puppy eyes. Peek on my ass. It's all so disgusting. <laughs> scrub, scrub harder, Sarah Dillon. Maybe you'll finally get that dirt off your hands oh, and your soul. So grossed out. Pink eye won't come off! And somebody else went home again yesterday? Yes. Yesterday afternoon, and somebody came by, and I won't reveal their names because we're not a show that does that. But somebody came by yesterday and said, oh, by the way, so-and-so just went home with it. And it was just... They were escorted out by the pink eye patrol. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't ex- I won't say who it was except to say that the person, the person apparently came by Susan's office, and Susan was standing there, and the person was standing in the doorway wearing sunglasses in the middle of the day. That's always a bad sign. And Susan said, hey, what's up? And the person said, well, I'm going to go home. And Susan said, why is that, so-and-so? And the person just looked over and, like, lowered the sunglasses, and I guess it was just, like, looking into looking into the face of death. So out came the yellow pink eye tape. <laughs> wrapped around still another cubicle. Exactly. Did you see that we did that in the, uh, in the KUFO room? Yeah. Yeah. Right around her desk, we just covered it with police tape. Just, you know, nothing says welcome back like having biohazard tape all around your work area. It's what we do to say, come join us. And, and poor Lacey, whatever the problem is in the station, she always has to sit right next to it. <laughs> Lacey came by my office today. La- uh, uh, Lacey Turner came just stomping upstairs. Lacey just has a mouth like a truck driver. Oh, by the way, this is the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Thanks for coming by. Uh, Lacey, who just, you look at her and she just, I don't mean to condescend, but she just seems like a sweet, nice, 
harmless lady. She just seems very gentle. And then she opens her mouth, and it's like you're on an Alaskan fishing boat or something. So she, I mean, and she must weigh about 50 pounds. I mean, she's a miniature person. This is come stomping up to my office today. Why is everything so goddamn filthy? And I said, uh, what? Just, everywhere I go, things are just covered in filth and crap. And I, and I said, I thought I was trying to be funny, so I was going to give a little humor back to her. And I said, I said maybe it's maybe it's just you that's filthy, Lacey. And she, <laughs> she, she immediately... Oh, you don't say that to her. And she's right up. I mean, this is Lacey so great because she didn't care. She's in my office, which is about five feet away from the general manager's office with the door open. She doesn't care. So I said, hey, Lacey, maybe it's you that's filthy. And she said, oh, ask you. And I stomped off down the hallway. CBS Radio, the home of comedy. Uh, in any event, hi, it's 8 minutes and 13 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of June. June, June, I say, despite the, like, 46-degree temperature uh, this morning. Uh, in the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, uh, Solid State Radio. Thanks for coming by. You want to join us today? It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, home remedies for pink eye, whatever you might have. Uh, so if you're playing the pink eye home game, by the way, that is uh, that is three down here at CBS Radio Portland. As of this morning, three down. How many will be left? Who will survive and what will be left of them? Uh, 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with the T at 970.am. All right, so it is um, uh, last day before we're off for two days. And by we, I mean me. Uh, so I'll be gone tomorrow and Friday. Sarah and Tim and Richie will be here uh, doing what they do best, uh, bantering and bringing news and information to the people uh, between the best of segments. So uh, so here today, gone tomorrow and Friday, back on Monday. Uh, try not to miss me too terribly. Here's what's coming up today. Uh, Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us. Uh, we've also got CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who it seemed like he was talking about something interesting. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah, that guy who runs Google. What's his name? That guy. One of the co-founders of Google paid like a billion dollars to be the world's first space tourist, which is of, of interest to me because I think we were just saying like three, four days ago that about 18 months they have the story about how soon tourists will be able to fly in space. But it's like the story keeps happening, and then the space flights have never occurred. I thought Richard Branson, isn't that the Virgin guy? I thought the Virgin guy paid like a billion dollars to be the first space tourist. No, the Virgin guy owns one of those uh, space tour places. So he doesn't need to pay. He can just do it himself. Yeah, they're building the rocket ship in Arizona. Excellent. All right. Uh, so we'll talk to Steve Kasten about that. Uh, let's see. Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin will join us today. Uh, we'll talk a bit about the Roman Polanski thing. which I know I'm kind of late on the draw with that because it, <clears throat> it aired two nights ago. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, but, you know, they're going to repeat it endlessly. And, uh, and I know that he's... He sent me like a big, long, uh, gushy email about uh, about this old country guy who's going to be coming to town. Um, a guy named Hayes Carl, who I guess is going to be playing with the old 97s. I think at the Roseland. Uh, in any event, so he wants to come on and and, and, and talk about the uh, talk about the glories of old country and Roman Polanski, maybe in two different ways. What's wrong with your eyes, Sarah? As if I didn't already know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
No, I'm really freaked out because like every time you talk about pink eye, then I kind of feel like they itch, even though I know that they don't really itch. But Upstairs they do. yesterday, it was like a whole bunch of people all itching but trying not to scratch. I know, and I've like I've, I've been washing my hands constantly. I've just you know wiped down everything around me three different Thank times. You. I'm glad that we're all germ freaks. That it's not just one of us. I mean, what if it was? What if on this show? Like, what if one of us was a germ phobe and the other one was just a slovenly bastard? Like some Chris Farley type. We've worked, we've worked with combinations of staff like that in the past, uh, where where one person is hideous and then the, everybody else is a neat freak. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yes, I do. Uh, so, but I mean, but we're all just sort of like clean it off, clean it off, wipe it up now, uh, which is good. I like it. Yeah, no, it's, it's the only way to beat him. So the only reason we ourselves haven't been felled by this dread disease. Uh, what else? Um, oh, t- oh, t- oh, because of the pink eye thing. So, um, today we're actually going to do a top five and a half. Uh, when Peter Carlin joins us, uh, we're going to uh, briefly list off his uh, his favorite alt-country tracks. And then, but the main top five that I hold it right here in my hands, these are not songs by the artist Pink. Uh, but these are top five songs with Pink in the title. Doing that today. Right here. Top five songs with Pink in the title. We don't title. play any Pink songs? But there are no songs. Do you really want to play a song by Pink? And if so, why and what would it be? Uh, it's that one. Uh, that, that, um, that, that, wait, hold on. Is it? I'm uh, something with, a, with myself. What is it? Is it the one that goes? Funny guy. Call back. Funny guy. I don't know. The only thing I know by Pink is I know that Hey Mr. President song, and I know the. Uh, I thought that was the, Marilyn Monroe. No. There, there are a couple <laughs> no. of songs that I like, and I can't really think of it. Well work on it. Any event, we'll be we'll be doing I'm a, these. That one, I'm a hazard to myself. Don't let me don't that. let me get me. Oh yeah. I like that song. Well, all right. Well, we'll find an excuse to play. <laughs> yeah. And then we have these, the top five songs with pink in the title. Uh, we'll get to that too. What else? Mr. Skin will join us today. Top five. Uh, okay, the top five. Uh, high concept. Uh, Wednesday, and uh, and that's and I have all of these notes to myself. Hey, Richie Bristol, can you do me a favor? Um, can you uh, go to um, the promo printer, uh, the printer by by Lacey and Court and Fatboy? Can you bring in? I printed some stuff out. Could you bring that in? That would thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I would have done it myself. I don't mean to be sending you to do things for me, but um, let's see. Well, there you go. And, and some other, just a whole bunch of small notes to get to. Uh, this is Tim Riley, who's working on the following stories for your edification today. Uh, New York's famous Chrysler skyscrapers being sold to Abu Dhabians. They're Arabs. And the famous Flatiron Building goes to the Italian. That French Superman is in court today. Uh, that new iPhone will cost more than originally thought. That's hard to believe. John McCain is accused of being cruel and heartless after saying it's not too important when the troops come home from Iraq. He said that on the Today Show today. Several people are arrested after being told not to cheer during a high school graduation. To say they're cheering for the end, they disobeyed and they were arrested. Really? They were arrested for violating the Savior Applause till mm-hmm. the end. Yep. So isn't Savior Applause till the end just code for, look, we know that most of not these students are unpopular. unpopular. <laughs> 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 or or that there's some one of the kids who, like, parents abandoned him and he has to live with an aunt or something. And so that there's no one to cheer for him. All right. Thank you, Richie. All right. Uh, Legend Homes, one of Oregon's largest home builders, files for bankruptcy. A bad man, lucky to be alive after a deer crashes through his windshield. A sleeping Portland woman awakens to a burglar licking her back. Uh, do you see this thing? Oh, I forgot to give it. Do you see this thing about the uh, the, the penis? <laughs> I realize that makes no sense. There's a penis watch. I'm glad, Richie. Do you ever print stuff out in the morning, Tim? And then there's there's so much news happening 
you look back through the news pile later and you don't even remember that you printed some of those stories out. Oh. You're like, oh, some I, of them I do two or three times. I'd already forgotten about this story. Okay, I got We have a fantastic penis watch. I'm glad that I had Richie bring in this big pile of stuff. Oh, I already. What about, about the penis boy? Uh, the baby? Yeah, the penis baby. Yeah, the, pe- the penis the baby. The penis baby? You know what I'm talking about. I really don't. <laughs> All right, no, no, no. We'll, okay, we'll do that later. Uh, let's see. Guy with a nail in his head. Uh, violent to the gas pumps. Oh, and then this is great. This story, I don't even have time to talk about this. NBA Commissioner David Stern dismissed allegations from a former referee that the 2002 playoff series was rigged by referees and officials. I don't find it hard uh-huh. to believe at all. I'm not saying that I know it to be true, but I'm saying... Referees are scandalous. If you watch a Timbers game, you see how they, they can turn you know turn their heads the other Reps, way. You know what? Refs it is make, so frustrating. Reps make or break a game. They oh, really they do. do. I mean, even I know enough about sports to know that. Reps make Ugh. or break a game. You get And the thing is... I don't want to get off into a thing here, but I uh, I had a friend of mine uh, who was and probably still is convinced that the that the NBA Finals are rigged most of the time. Uh, it, and his whole thing is they're not even necessarily rigged to give one team the victory. His his whole belief is that the the finals are rigged to go to four games most of the time, um, you know, or to go to you know two two or or rather to. Uh, you know, to go to go all the way, not to not to be done in four games, because it's best of seven, right? That's how they do that. Mm-hmm. And so his whole thing is that it's rigged to never be done in four games, uh, if there's any way to avoid it, because he made the point that if you're doing like the best of seven, well, if it's over in four as opposed to going the whole seven, you're, you're really you're losing forty percent of revenue. You know what I mean? In other words, if going all the way if to seven games gives you, let's say, $100 million, just to use a round number, well, then by definition, if it's over in four games, uh, you know, you're only getting $60 million. And so he, that he's, he, he believes that the refs are always on the pay from the NBA just to make the series go longer. Not to give it to one team or another, but just to extend the number of games that it takes. So, and you wouldn't even need to bribe everybody, man. You get one or two key officials, uh, you know, uh, on, the, uh, on the payroll, you're all good. So there you go. I'm going to believe it's true until it's proven not to be true. Uh, all right, uh, Sarah Dillon joining us today. Hello, how are hello, you? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. All right. Your um, eyes look fine, by the way. There's no... Thank you. I know. Aren't you kind of... Pa- are Seriously, you no. If you look over at some point and I'm bleeding from the eyes, you have to tell me. And then you have to take me out back and cut off my head. Oh, yeah. It's the only way to be sure. You're in vacation mode, right? I am in vacation mode. I'm just saying, let, let there be no awkwardness about this. If you and I are, you know, talking today, at some point we look over and one of Tim's eyes appears to be bleeding and closed shut... <laughs> I don't want there to be a whole weird sort of, what are you looking at? Nothing, Tim. Look, look over there for a second. And then we have to put him down like old Yeller. There's, let's have an open and honest discussion about that if one of us does appear to have pink eye today, okay? Okay. Are we all agreed? Yes. So right. far, so good. All right. Ah, now I want to scratch my eye. Oh, I, I just scratched my eye. Don't oh. touch anything. Oh. This is just gonna. This is going to be just like in 28 days later when that guy looks up and a drop of blood goes right into his eye and then he goes crazy. <gasps> You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know about. what you're talking about. That is such a good movie. And you know what else I like? Although not very many people did, 28 Weeks Later. That was a good movie. 28 Weeks Later is not bad. It it's not a bad movie at all. Okay, uh, so I got a couple things. A, uh, and I am serious about this. I'm not being ironic. I'm not being wacky. I'm serious about this. We want to now say, flat out, full on, for the record, uh, that that girl, Bobby, who came on the show uh, because she was looking for a date at the listener party, that girl, Bobby, is not the girl with whom Richie had relations. It's not Harley Verlon. So knock it off. Quit, quit sending her. Quit sending we her. Swear a... on everything. Seriously. I know who it is. It's not her. Yeah, so just, it's not her. Quit sending her is, is scatological and crude emails. And everyone's happy and we can move forward. There we go. All right. Uh, let's see. What else? Did I you had do the... anything exciting yesterday? No. No. Oh. <laughs> what are you talking to me? 
No, of course not. I don't know. Um, I asked you in the hopes that maybe someday you'll surprise me. I kept, I kept looking around for, a, I kept calling around for a dog boarding place. That was my night last night. Because Tim thinks it's because of Father's Day, but I had to call there like four different places because they, they were all full, and I got to find a place to which to stash Max while I'm gone. Uh, so um, anyway, so I finally found a place. I got the, everything pa- faxed over, so I got to drop him off today. That was my day, though. I was trying to find a place to, you know, to, to keep my dog. Um, I did have, man, there's just so many little things to get to here today. I have all of these small observations, and then I had the best idea ever. So I don't know if I should give the best idea now or if I should do some small observations now. What do you think? Small observations or best idea ever? Tim? Best idea ever. Now I don't even know what to do. Let me just, before we do either of those, let me say this. Let me, I'd like to thank uh, Eric, the vending machine guy, who uh, do? came by yesterday, and I had at one point hooked him up with a CD that he'd been asking for. There was a, there was a CD that he was trying to find, a, sort of a bootleg CD that he knew I had a copy of. And I gave him a copy of that. And so yesterday, he gives me a copy of Van Halen Live in Portland. It was the show that Van Halen played uh, last December here in our fair city. He gives me the CD yesterday. I put it in the back pocket of my jeans, sit on it later, broke it completely in half. Oh, right here. no. Right there. That's a CD broken completely in half. I'd forgotten that it was sitting in the back of my pocket. And so I just sit down to talk to Susan Reynolds. I'm like, anyway, sh- snap. She goes, what's that? And I thought, I honestly don't know. Because I'd completely forgotten it was there. And so I take a shattered CD out of my back pocket. So uh, thanks so much. I'll just... Uh, I'll just put that over Thanks here. Thanks for that, Fred Eric. Now it's like I have two Van Halen CDs. Uh, well, we'll do some calls here in a second. Uh, brief observation number one, and then we'll uh, sort of move on. Uh, brief observation number one. I dislike Moby, even though he's never done anything to me. There you go. Oh, by the way, also, I don't know anybody who doesn't dislike Moby. Just Moby just smug. I don't know a single person who doesn't dislike him. It's not even the people who are indifferent to him. Every single person I know who knows who Moby is hates him. So there you go. That's observation number one. Observation number two. Tim, you can probably concur with me on this. We don't really seem to talk about the Bermuda Triangle anymore. No. The Bermuda Triangle seems to be a thing that we just sort of moved off of as a culture. You remember in the 70s and up to the early 80s, it was all Bermuda Triangle? Mm-hmm. It's all Bermuda Triangle all the time. Did the Bermuda Triangle cease to exist? Have we just decided, were we bored with it? it. I mean, is it so? And let me ask you this: They may have towed it to a new location. Bermuda, come visit us in our like the Cavern Club, yeah. like the London Bridge. The Bermuda Triangle is now in Kentucky. Um, we lost our lease. Come see us in our new location in Punxsutawney. Uh, and was the Bermuda Triangle the same thing as the Devil's Triangle? Because you would hear that too. Planes lost in the Devil's Triangle. I suppose so. So if I anybody mean, there's room for more than one triangle out there. If you've seen uh, the Bermuda Triangle or know why we're not talking about it anymore, you let me know. Uh, let's see. Third observations. My uh, th- my wife needs a chiclet book to read uh, while on vacation in San Diego. Everybody be thinking about that. Okay. Uh, let's do some calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey. Hey. Uh, I got. Couple of things. One, for, uh, one from being on hold. Oh wait, hold on. Sorry, I hate to interrupt right away. Well, my final observation here before you calls. Cindy McCain, Cindy, because there's a lot being made about the face-off between Michelle Obama and Cindy McCain in terms of who the public likes more. Cindy McCain looks like a woman who's always criticizing you for not polishing the silver well enough. There you go. And thinks you might have stolen some. All right. What's uh, what do you got, sir? All right. Devil Triangle. Yeah. By Japan. It's similar, but it's by Japan. Where's the Bermuda Triangle? Don't say in Bermuda. I have no idea. But, ah. but I knew, you know, it's in our um, over by us, and that one's over by them. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true American. 
I, I did some very vague research on it once. All right. Have you noticed that we're not talking about the Bermuda Triangle anymore? It's, it's never on. Well, except for, you know, like... I mean, unless you saw like an old... The sci-fi channel or something where they do a, a in... show on it that doesn't have any answers and most of it's, you know, false information anyway. But it's really old. Like, if you see anything about the Bermuda Triangle now, it's all, like, old In Search Of's with Leonard Nimoy. I know. In Search Of, the Bermuda Triangle. And then it's got, like, the bad 70s music, and it's clearly all from 35 years ago. Oh, yeah. Right. Or, or if they like just recompile the same, you know, uh, they yeah. do a new one, but it's it's all the same interviews, and you can tell. Yes. What do you have? What else do you have, sir? All right. So, and I have this one idea that you, I know you're pro- I'm probably not gonna do, but I had to say it anyway. Is while you're gone, maybe just one day, you have Adam or you know the other Pimp Squad guy um, do the call screening, and you have Richie take your place. And everyone else does what they do, but Richie takes your place. So, in other words, it would be like the regular everyday show, except instead of hearing me, people would hear Richie hosting the show. Exactly. That's a terrible idea. I know, but I had to say it. That's a really, really awful idea. Sarah, Tim, are you with me on this? (laughs) No. I mean, yeah. No, that's, uh, I appreciate your moxies here. That's never going to happen. I know. But I had to say it. Yeah. Anyways, um, but, and then. Finally. You? Yes. Yes. Um. Game Facts. Did you ever get a chance to check that out? Help you with that? Uh, I bookmarked it, but I haven't gone back to it. Oh, uh, But oh. I do have a bookmarked in case I need it, sir. All right. Well, um, cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Does Hi. the Bermuda Triangle have a MySpace page? No, but, uh, uh, never mind. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Oh, I just got a quick comment on yesterday's subject, the Alanis Morissette irony, irony thing. Yes. Okay, a quick example of how rain on your wedding day could be uh, uh, irony. Mm-hmm. You're getting married in L.A. in August. You're setting it up with the guy who has the uh, area you're getting married, and he says, you want to pay the extra $100 for the canopy thing? And you're all, do I need to? And he's not. It's August. It's L.A. It never rains. And then it rains. And still but, not ironic, though. That's just unfortunate. Well, that's ironic because it never rains in August. Really. That's, the, that's what the guy says. Never mind. I tried. No, no, no. It's not ironic. Here's what would be ironic. Here's what would be what would be ironic is if you put canopies over your wedding uh, to keep it from being rained on, but everybody was but the body heat of the assembled masses actually formed condensation inside the canopy, which then fell down on you in the form of precipitation. That would be ironic because the, the thing that was supposed to keep you dry was in fact getting you wet. That would be irony. That, that would be ironic. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll be like the uh, puke video I sent you yesterday. The what? The puke video I sent you yesterday. Did you send me a puke video? I did, of myself. <laughs> it's a video of you puking? Yeah, unfortunately. Where Did you send this to my email or is it on my, my MySpace page? It's on your MySpace. All right. Is it clean? I mean, in, except... No. It, well... The, the puke's clean and it's not very long, but the rest of the video isn't. It's very uh, short. All right. Well, well, we'll see if we can get it edited. Thank you. Yep. Bye. bye. All right. One more. He that just... might have been the highlight of his life. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just casually glossed over it. Yeah. My his whole existence was leading up to that one submission. I've just cast it. I've been brushed it aside. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hi. Hey, uh, a few years ago, uh, History or Discovery Channel did a thing on the Bermuda Triangle, and they had found iron ore deposits in it. And they uh, they kind of thought that was why all the ships and airplanes were lost. They messed up the electronics. It looks like it's gone out of business. Is, are you are you trying to find a? Trying to find if it's currently operating anywhere, Tim. Well, it hasn't done anything in years. But I mean, was it a thing that ever? But you're saying that they found proof that it really that it really happened. The Bermuda Triangle effect really did happen. Well, when they went in with ships and some other things, they had you know their compasses kind of did a little 
waiver type thing. And then they brought out old magnet style compasses that they would use because everything now is electronic and off of GPS. Right. So the old systems kind of, the compasses kind of moved around. Ah, so you're saying it wouldn't affect the navigational equipment now. Oh, yeah. And the Devil's Triangle is in the Pacific. On the video. <laughs> wow. Rick, you don't need to double dump that. Let's take a break. I mean, I think... Let's reset. <laughs> wow. I think everybody's in vacation mode. Hmm? All right, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, I still have the best idea you've ever heard in your life. So good, I almost want to register it somewhere. And, Tim, you've worked in show business. Uh, yeah. Maybe you can tell me when we get back how to register this idea. Okay, stay there. Back after this. It's Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Seven three three two nine seventy. Occasionally, I'll get an email. Uh, occasionally, somebody will send me an email that is really, truly funny, but it's just so profane that I can't even find a way to clean it up for the air. Is it from Todd? No, it's not. No, but it usually is. All right. All right. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Richie had this idea that seemed really good yesterday, and I think, it, thinking on it now, it might be ill-advised. Oh, by the way, we're going to be um, talking to author and filmmaker Dan Merchant for a little while later on today. He's got uh, a book now followed by a documentary of the same name called Lord Save Us From Your Followers, which is, I guess, sort of a Michael Moore-style documentary about blah, 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 fighting, blah, 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 religion, blah, blah, blah. But the interesting thing is they chose Portland to premiere it. It's going to have this premiere this uh, week, I think Friday at the Hollywood Theater, but they chose Portland because Portland is the most non-religious city in the United States, according to surveys. Uh, so we'll talk to him for a few later. But at Richie, we'll get Lisa Desjardins in like five seconds, but Richie had this idea that yesterday it seemed like a good idea, today less so. Um, it, it, because I'm going to be gone tomorrow and Friday. And so Richie had this whole notion, because he's assembling the best ofs, that the listeners should weigh in with what they want to hear. I think that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea, but it seems like a lot of work. Well, it's not for me. What do I, I mean? Care? But if Richie, I mean, if Richie's the one who's assembling it and he's pitched that idea, I mean, why not? That is if, true. If he's, if he's willing to do the work, I mean, we should bring him in just to make sure before we do it. All right. Well, let's uh, before we do that, let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Hi guys. How are you? Good. So, are you already missing me? <laughs> I I um I will be gone tomorrow and Friday, which means it'll be four days, and I know this is part of your daily routine now. It really is, actually. It is. It is going to kind of bum me out. Well, I, it's funny because I'm going to be gone the three days after that. Ah, see, so this is Jeez, this is, this is how it begins. This is where the withdrawal starts. Because let me tell you this: <laughs> I was listening. I was on CNNRadio.com, keeping it real. The other day, yes, and um, and so then I was listening to. Uh, I went there looking for something else. It's like I'd lost the prep sheet or whatever. I could, or it wasn't. I couldn't find it. So I go to print out the prep sheet. But while I was there, they have all those, um, you know, those like sound cuts uh, where it's like pre-prepared news things. And it occurred to me that with you guys, very rarely do I ever hear you uh, sort of in your official news person mode. Right. So I listened sure. to one of yours, and I hope you won't take offense. And I say it didn't even sound like you. <laughs> It sounded like somebody completely different. You sounded 
Uh, see, now I realize this all sounds like a big insult. I was going to say you sounded like a real journalist as opposed to, <laughs> to, to here where it's all just dirty dancing references and Smurfs right. observations. Yes, so, yes. Uh, so in a way, it made me feel good because I feel like for you and for, uh, for Kastenbaum and for Roop, that this show is some sort of a weird uh, like safety valve. Oh, my uh, gosh, yes. Where you can just sort of be nutty and you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be professional. Right, it's great. You know, and I've told you, you know, it's come it's, it's come at a, at a price for um, our more serious stations. <laughs> you know, when I'm feeling like, hey, I get, that reference makes a great deal of sense to me. Where you feel like you're just like, as you tag something about a water shortage, you're going to throw in a B.A. Baracus yeah. joke at the end, and then, like, the KFWB staff doesn't yes, necessarily exactly. get it. Exactly, KDKA, right, exactly. <laughs> the, where, where radio got its start, exactly. Well, you know, um, voice du- I've, I have a voice double, actually, too. Is part of it. Really? I should be your. You know what it is? I should just. I should just do your report someday and just use your same. This is Lisa Desjardins for, for CNN Radio News. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, okay, so before we before we talk about uh, I don't know before we talk about. Yes. Sarah, what are we going to talk about? What's on the prep sheet? Probably oh, oil and gas. Yeah, of course. But, but we're not really going to talk about that. Again and again. Yes. I know, but I do have two observations to make. Uh, one is about Barack Obama. One. Is about the best idea I've had this week. So that's what you were talking about before the break. Yeah, well, I was teasing it before the break. Uh, I never really, I didn't really describe it. I actually, I have two great ideas. One is this was for Barack Obama. I had this idea. Pardon me, I seem to have a little something in my throat. One moment. All right. <coughs> so I have two great ideas. One is for Barack Obama. One is for network television. Which one would you like to hear first? Uh, network television. Okay, this is fantastic. I was on the phone with my wife last night, and we were talking about something or other. She's got this whole thing where she's planning a trip to the Amazon, and it's like I don't have time to, to get into it. She's doing this weird – so she's kind of got, like, yellow fever shots or something. Anyway, she's doing this whole weird, you know, like, expedition to Peru or something this fall. And we were – I was talking about her, her – how I really do kind of live vicariously through her because her life is way more interesting and exciting than mine is. I had, though, in the course of this conversation with my wife, the best idea ever, ever, ever. And here's what it is. It is a reality show. Uh, it, it, that also has, as they say, a web-based component to it, not unlike Big Brother. But here's okay. the thing. <clears throat> Do you remember Jenny Cam? Are you old enough to remember Jenny Cam? I don't remember Jenny Cam. Jenny Cam was one of the original sort of blogs online. It was back in 95, 96. A girl oh, okay. named Jenny... I know, I just, I'm not cool enough, right? Uh, it was a girl named Jenny Ringley, uh, and she was one of the first web sort of celebrities because what she did is she just documented her whole life online for no readily apparent reason. Like, she would write a blog every day. I mean, it sounds really, really simple and basic now, but in 1995, she would write a blog every day along with... There was no webcam at that point, but just photographs of what she was doing that day, and she got a real kind of cult following online, and you'll talk to people of a certain age, who remember Jenny Cam, and it was like a really slow text and snapshot-based version of, like, the Truman Show. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this all kind of coalesced in my head last night. What we need is a reality show with a web presence to it in which we not only follow someone's daily existence on this reality show, but wait for it, not unlike a choose-your-own-adventure book, we make all their decisions for them. <laughs> and then they have to do whatever the audience votes for them to do. I mean, not, you know, within certain parameters, like, you know, which girl at the office should I ask out? She said yes. Should I wear this outfit or that outfit? Should I take her out to an amusement park or to a high-end Italian dinner? You know, she's, you know, she seems to have had a good time. 
Do I ask if I can come in for a nightcap or do I take a peck on the cheek and go home? And you watch it on, I mean, and then the audience can be voting online. And of course, because of the interconnectivity now between online and Blackberries and wireless and everything, uh, the audience could be voting in real time. And then he could be checking his Blackberry and doing what the audience wants him to do. So, and so it's like having a national pet, except it's a guy. And we control him online. It is like living a choose-your-own-adventure book, except we're choosing the adventure for this guy's life. Wasn't, wasn't this a movie? Well, there was the Truman Show, and there was Ed TV, but Ed that was TV simply... Is what I'm thinking. But the, the audience didn't vote, though. Ah, I thought maybe they did. I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Sarah, Ed TV, Matthew McConaughey, didn't the audience just watch? I don't think the audience decided. I think the audience just I watched. I think they watched. I'm not sure, though. Okay. I don't think the audience really had any input. Not like this, anyway. Do you remember that show, Andy Richter Controls the Universe? Yes. This would be like, the universe controls Andy Richter. That's great. So much so that I almost want to get... I have something here. I don't know. I, I almost want to get Andy Richter to cast him in it just so I can call it, the universe controls Andy Richter. <laughs> um, I would. I mean, it, I, I, it's such a great idea that I'm saying here on the air where everybody can steal it. I want to, like, figure out how I can, like register that idea right now, how I can trademark that idea with a writer's guild or something. Ooh, well, you know, the good thing is you've got the tape now, so if somebody else comes up with this, you can be like, hey, clearly they were listening to me. I, You know, you've, you've got it documented that you said this idea today. It just, it seems like such, and you would, you know, do it at predetermined choice points, so it wouldn't, like, you wouldn't be controlling, like, every single thing he does, but at predetermined points throughout, you know, throughout each day's show or online all the time or whatever, you would be making, you know, the audience would vote and they would make certain decisions for him. And you would just some, get some guy, you know, people do anything to get on television, and people go on television, my wife, my wife says she didn't think anybody would do it, people go on television and eat slugs and, you know, get get themselves kicked in the junk, you know, just for the chance to uh, meet Jeff Probst or something. <laughs> so, this is, I mean, it's no, one of the best ideas I've ever had. Bad. It's not bad. I, I just feel like, I'm wondering if, like, in execution, it could get a little kind of choppy. And I was like, oh, oh, hold on, hold on, just a second, you know, with the kiss. I'm not, you know, if you move in for the kiss, or I guess you would know, I don't know, we don't need to get into the minutiae, yes. I but he, but there's ways he can figure it out, like, uh, you know, like he ducks into, uh, you know, i got to use the restroom for a second, or hold on, i uh, got to go check my laundry. And he goes downstairs and waits for the audience to tell him what to do next. All right. It's the best idea ever. Okay, here's, <laughs> here's the second best idea ever, and this one's about Barack Obama. Okay. I had this idea yesterday, which really is pretty genius. Uh, we were listening to John McCain speak, and uh, political persuasion society, he just seems like a wholly uninteresting and the candidate at this point. He hasn't really defined himself, but Barack, Barack Obama has really defined himself in terms of being the confident agent of change. That is sort of his identity right now. Okay. And so I had this notion that what Barack Obama needs to do this would just be like the the biggest like Mac move on earth. <laughs> what Barack Obama needs to do is now that he has wrapped up the nomination, he needs to just go back to the Senate and not campaign until this fall. And he, could, <laughs> he and he would what he would do is he would get himself a block of time, like half an hour on television, and he would come on and he wouldn't say, "I'm not even going to campaign." He wouldn't have to do it that way. Here's how he would position it: Barack Obama would come on TV and he'd. I want to thank everybody who has taken this road with me. I look forward to receiving your votes in November as we reshape this into the kind of country in which we want to live, the kind of country that you have said you wish to help create with me. And until that time this November, I'm now going to go back to Illinois and do the people's work. Come on. You know what? You may. The only thing is... Uh, he would get the arrogant label, label slapped on him again. But see, he could still I have think, his operatives out there doing stuff, but he himself but see, goes back to the Senate. So 
again, just assuming that he's going to win the election and assuming he doesn't have to work for anyone's vote. Are you kidding? The Republicans would eat that up. Yeah, but I mean, but, but, but you, let me ask you, did you really believe there are people undecided between John McCain and Barack Obama? Yes, there are people. There, no, there really are. I've spoken with them. Really? They exist. Yes. I don't know that they exist. Where do they live? In your atheist town. <laughs> In your godless community, Rick Emerson. <laughs> godless community. But no, they they truly do exist. In Pennsylvania, there were a ton of them. There were many, many. I know there's there's many in Virginia. I have neighbors. In fact, I have my next door neighbor uh, who who showed me with glee her 50 photos from the Cindy Lauper concert last night. <laughs> my neighbor, my neighbor Judy, is one of them. Does Judy look at Barack Obama and John McCain and see no discernible differences? Well, you know what the thing is? She's typically a Republican, but she's attracted to John, to Barack Obama. She likes his message, but she questions whether he can really get it done. And she knows that John McCain has sort of bucked the party before. She likes that. And, but she, she does. She questions uh, the execution for Barack Obama. And I think on the on the other side, there are there are sort of a bunch of independents that loved John McCain in 2000 and then sort of had their heart beat down, not only when he lost, but then when he started going courting the conservatives, uh, that the independents started questioning exactly who he was. Now they're kind of kind of reigniting that little bit of warmth in their heart for him and, and starting to see someone who talks to these sort of uh, Ross Perot issues. He's talking a lot about the debt, Social Security, Medicare. Those are some issues you don't hear Barack Obama hit so much. And I think that group that, that really is worried about those fiscal issues, that whole Ross Perot group, I think they're having trouble, some of them, with the John McCain Barack Obama situation. All right. Well, it was just it was it was just an, it was something that struck me as pretty compelling because I, I would I just would love the idea uh, uh, just of John McCain sort of out there. It's just such a great. It would just be such a great statement of like we all know this is in the bag, <laughs> and then just John McCain sort of flailing. It's true. And, you know, it has actually been a personal annoyance of mine that these guys aren't up here for votes anymore. In fact, we had a major vote on climate change this week that we touched on. And uh, last week, actually, my days are all running together. And, you know, Hillary Clinton wasn't up here. And, you know, I think nor was John McCain or uh, Barack Obama. But, you know, honestly, Hillary Clinton hasn't, hasn't been up here at all. And they are having votes. And maybe it's unfair of me. I would say how her, I could see how her supporters would say, geez, the woman just had a grueling. And she did six events a day schedule. It was it was insane. Uh, she probably wore herself flat out. But you know what? She's still a U.S. senator. I feel like she should still be here voting. Boy, you, That's just me. Did you see that thing in the New York Times about how the uh, the long-rumored and speculated-upon-Clinton-enemies list isn't just my imagination? <laughs> that it's really there? Yes. Just a long list of every person yes. who ever crossed her exactly. is being assembled. Be careful what you say right now because, you know, that... <clears throat> That list can grow. I'm not on that list. I'm on the, uh, I'm on the. Uh, yeah, you are. It's true. It's true. However, you know, anytime, anytime, anyplace. No, it's true. You, you've got major Clinton points, I would think. I'm telling you, I think, uh, I think she holds a little torch for me. <laughs> I think she might. Hey, uh, before we go here, what do you make of this, uh, uh, that thing that McCain is getting so much heat about, that thing he said to Matt Lauer about how it's not too important when the troops come home? I know. How about that? I'm still sorting that, sorting that out. I think what the McCain spin is that, it's not the exact day and hour is not what matters. What matters is the way that you do it. What matters is that you have a strategy and that you, uh, you know, do it in the right order. You get the right guys out at the right time. You leave the right guys in place as long as they need to be. Are you saying that sort of don't get caught up in this 
what he sees as a tedious debate over a date and an hour. Of course, the Democrats are pouncing all over it and saying, of course it matters. That's what matters the most. When are our troops going to leave? It, it's, it, you know, it's too bad for the McCain campaign because it does um, get him back and people start getting back to. We haven't heard in a couple of days the whole, we'll be in Iraq for 100 years. He, he almost had gotten that behind him, but I think that he's reopened that now and that it's to the Obama campaign's benefit. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that shakes down. I'm not convinced this will be uh, a critical moment in his campaign, but right now there is tons of buzz about it. Oh, and finally... How about those gas prices? Aren't those something? Well, you know, actually, I do have uh, some non-gas price news. Okay. That the House is getting ready to vote on uh, extending unemployment benefits. Really? So, yeah, so any listeners at home, not not that you would have a no- high number of unemployed listeners, but you, it's the kind of people who are unemployed. If I was unemployed, I would listen to your show, Rick. <laughs> Thanks so much. Attention advertisers, you too can reach this unemployed demographic. <laughs> I am backing down from that now. Um, but the deal, the House is actually voting to extend unemployment benefits. Right now, you get 26 weeks of benefits. If you're unemployed looking for mm-hmm. a job, they want to extend it to 29 weeks. Sweet. However, President Bush has threatened just in the last two hours to veto that. Oh, yeah. Because he says he says unemployment is not high enough, and that the government is essentially spending the too much. Unemployment isn't high enough, and taxes are really. That's, really yeah, low. that's just like John McCain yesterday, who was saying that we have really low taxes right now. Oh, we should keep it that way. All right, yeah. uh, all right. I, I got to skedaddle, as they say. Okay. Um, all right. Well, so I, I guess I'll talk to you what like next late next week, something like that. That sounds good. All right. We'll see you then, Lisa. Okay. Great. Thank you. All right. There you go, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Unemployment isn't high enough. Why don't, boy, you know. Jesus. I mean, honestly. Okay, I'm done. You start off that call a little creepy. What do you mean? You're like, so uh, I know you're going to be separated from me for a few days. I know it's going to be real hard for you. And I then didn't say that. Yesterday in my spare time, I went to CNNRadio.com and I was listening to your recorded. Thing. I didn't say. I didn't say it's, it's going to be really hard for you. And didn't know. Whatever. Lisa and I have a bond. I think you, you would admit that. Bond. No, I went to uh, I went to CNN though, but we've done that with uh, Jim Roop to where you listen to his like. Uh, News reports he has to do for other stations where he sounds like not at all drunk and and really like together, not at all like on our show where he's just cursing and hating. And then Lisa sounds so professional when she does newscast. I should find one and play it. Um, but then when she talks to us, it's just like all you know, it's just all sea monkeys jokes. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. How's it going, everyone? What's up? Uh, well, I have uh, an observation which is uh, ironic about the. Uh, the, the Devil's Triangle in Japan, mm-hmm. and uh, what happened is I watched this on the History Channel not too long ago that uh, they had a research ship out there investigating the phenomenon in this devil uh, in this Devil's Triangle, and that ship disappeared. <laughs> and then they sent another ship to look for the one that initially disappeared, and that one just vanished in the thin air as well. So I thought that would be a little ironic. That, that is uh, ironic. Yeah, and um, I think one of the reasons why people don't talk about the uh, the Bermuda Triangle anymore is just because technology has advanced so much. They actually found the five planes that disappeared, like in 1940, whatever, uh, that initially sparked the the whole uh, uh, interest in the yes. Bermuda Triangle. They found those. So you know, when you know, the mystery is. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, dissipating, and uh, people eventually lose interest when you find stuff out. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for uh, – you are Ian, correct? Yes. Thank you for calling. Thank you for your observations on that, sir. All 
No problem. Thank you. All right, there you go. Wow. So welcome down to the Rick Emerson Show. Steve Kastamoff. Hello. Enlightening. There was just uh, Yeah, that was a spigot you couldn't turn off. I'm sorry about that. How's life, brother? Pretty good. Hey, so let me ask you something about traveling into space. Okay. Um, so the, the, I was just talking to, uh, well, to Tim and Sarah, we were talking about this early on the show, that every 18 months or so, they come out with some story about, and, new, and soon citizen space travel will be here, where your fellow Americans will be able to journey into the cosmos. And every time they do this story about how it, the average Joe is going to be able to, you know, non-astronauts anyway, going to be able to go into space, they always roll out the name of some celebrity who's, you know, signed up to be the world's first space traveler. But then it never really seems to happen. I remember that Noel Gallagher from Oasis was that at one point. Richard Branson from Virgin Airlines was that at one point. Warren Buffett was that at one point. Now it's some other guy. Now it's one of the guys from Google who is supposedly going to be traveling into space. Let's be honest. This is never going to happen. Well, actually, this company already sent one guy up to uh, the International Space Station. Who was that? Um, oh, was it the, Ru- the Russian uh, businessman? Yeah, some guy in his 60s went up uh, on a Russian... Uh rocket and this company space adventures which already uh, flies people uh, in simulated uh, zero gravity on these airplanes they have these zero gravity flights that you can pay about four thousand dollars to to be on right uh they already have some contracts in place they already sent one guy up they got another guy going up uh, in october who uh, is is a gamer he's he's a game designer a a video game designer and let me tell you i went to the news conference Geek with a capital G. Just a so like, just goon patrol. Uh, you know he he thinks he's cool now that he's a big adult, but he's, he's still <laughs> you know. Listen to that uh, condescension. Listen to that New York smirk in your voice right there. He was dressed in black from head to toe, and he was wearing some piece of jewelry that he made himself when he was a kid. And he told us he never took it off. He's never taken it off. There's no clasp on it, and like the black shirt didn't have a collar. It was like one of those you know collarless shirts and. He's the son of an astronaut, and now he's going to go up. Anyway, the um, one of Google's co-founders, uh, Sergey Brin, Brin, who is in charge of uh, technology at Google, he's put down a $5 million investment in Space Adventures, uh, which will serve as his deposit for a flight on a Russian rocket, a uh, Suryev rocket. Uh, uh, Suryev, oh, now I forget that. I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, but um, in 2011... Ultimately, it'll cost him something like $35 million approximately, and he has to go through the cosmonaut training and everything. And then in 2011, uh, you know, he'll take a, a very expensive joyride. I just hope he has to go around in that thing that whips you around until your face ripples. He does. Excellent. Sweet. Does he have to do that thing where he, where he blows into the tube and the ball floats in the water? That would be pretty righteous. They have to do all of that. You know, I asked the CEO... Of space adventure, you know, what do you say to those critics who say, you know, you're just make, uh, making it possible for a very expensive billionaire's joyride on a seat that could be better utilized by uh, a true scientist? And he said, What we're doing is opening a frontier. This is public participation. Wow. In opening the final frontier of space. <laughs> private space exploration. It's not space tourism, it's private space exploration, he called it. Boy, boy, that guy is just a complete nerd. Man, and if he's quoting Star Trek, for the final <laughs> I'm going to the final frontier. The final frontier of space exploration. <laughs> wow. That is exactly like every guy who helps me at Fry's Electronics, but clearly hates me and would rather be at home building some sort of doomsday device. Yeah, and, wow. and some, some say the folks at this company have an inferiority complex because the folks at Virgin are getting all the press. You know, they're trying to... And they're probably sensitive about the word virgin, I would imagine. (laughs)
probably. Zing. I got to run. I got to get on the network in a few minutes. I have uh, to leave you early. Not at all, brother. It's my fault for taking you a couple minutes late. Thank you, and have a good weekend, my friend. I will be uh, gone the next couple of days. Okay, so long. Talk to you soon. There you go. Excellent. All right. That's wonderful. <laughs> The final frontier space express. So that was the the black outfitted boy. Yeah, I got to. Um, uh, I didn't even get a chance to talk about the Chrysler building being for sale. Well, talk about it. Being then. purchased by foreigners. Is not that Americans. true? Not by Americans, Tim. All right, that's like a page straight out of Howard Beagle. The Arabs are simply buying America. Let's see if I can find uh, real quickly this. Uh, let's see how long is this? I think I've got a little Lisa Desjardins thing from from the network, as they say. Well, it all depends on your perspective. The Energy Department now predicts gas prices will cling to the $4 a gallon mark through next year. That's a disappointment for anyone nostalgic for $3 or the ancient $2 mark. But with this prediction, energy officials are also saying they don't think prices will climb quite as steeply next year, that they'll stay in the $4 range. Oh, I don't have the sign-off, though. I want the one where she says, uh, Lisa Desjardins. See you now. I love her voice. Let's see here. I do, too. It's very... Mellifluous. Uh, let's see. Let me try one more here. Let's see. Cuts. U.S. Right? Huh? Let's see. U.S. cuts. So this is from. Uh, Real time. I'm just saying. Uh, this is from the. Uh, this is from the CNN radio. CNN radio. I always love the CNN radio and KCMD keeping it real. Uh, all right. There's Steve Kastenbaum. There's. Let's look one more page and see if I can find a fully produced one from Lisa. I want to do one where she does that. Lisa Desjardins, CNN Radio, Washington. We'll try this one. Listen. The headline's simple. The Energy Department predicts gas prices will hover around $4 a gallon through next year. But staffer Guy Caruso indicated one key factor, oil, could level off. Listen first about this year. Crude oil prices are projected to average $122 per barrel in 08. $122 a barrel is still a lot, but here's his forecast for next year. $126 per barrel in 2009. In other words, the Energy Department thinks oil will stop skyrocketing. Of course, oil has bucked forecasters before. Lisa Desjardins, CNN, Capitol Hill. See, she sounds so professional. So grown up. Not at all like when she talks to us. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Uh, shall we break? Tim, do you have news around the corner? I do. You have any more Lisa cuts? I, I have dozens and dozens of Lisa cuts. <laughs> we'll space them out. Not just Lisa, by the way. I'm just not like I'm sitting at home stockpiling the sound of her voice. Uh, they're singing and ready thing. They've got guys I've never even heard of. Jack Stewart. No one knows. Some guy. Uh, and then, you know, everybody that we typically talk to there. So, uh, all right. Well, let's take a break here. We'll come back. Give me tickets to break. I found something genius. Is it true? Is it truly genius? It really is. All right. Uh, back after this with Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Uh, we'll also take your calls about uh, what you want to hear during the next two days. Because I don't have to do that work, so it's fine with me. Uh, so if you've got observations about what best of material you'd like Richie Bristol to put together, we'll take those calls as well. Uh, Peter Carlin, filmmaker Dan Merchant, top five songs with Pink in the title, and Mr. Skin. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. Yeah. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.
keep an eye out. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, the home of the world's finest bumper music. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I'm sorry that I disappoint you by being part of the problem, Sarah. Okay, Rick. You could just use your power for good. I couldn't, though. That's the thing. That's what Lisa Desjardins was like. You know, you could use your show to help make us a better world for the, your civic duty with it. I reduce the price of gas. I, there's nothing I can do. I can't use my power for good. I only have a talent for crap. You know this. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now from the Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Now people come here expecting crap. Yeah, no, it's... And you know, I'd, I'd like to think that we deliver high quality... What is it Stephen King one, said one time? Stephen King said... Uh, said that he wasn't a writer so much as a sausage grinder. He goes, I try, to, I try to grind really good sausage, but still, just sausage. That's kind of what we do here. Today's sausage is sponsored by Leif's Auto Collision Centers and Leif's.com. Call today and find out what Leif's can do for you. Leif's Auto Collision Centers. Sarah was saying that... My reality television idea, my reality show idea, while the sort of interesting uh, notion, disappointed her because it was just going to contribute to the dumbifying of America. That it was just going to be the idiocracy was going to roll on and I was going to be helping it. And well, I, that's what America likes. See, but that's exactly what I said. My point was you can't... You might as well cash in on the stupidity, but I'm exactly. saying I think that you're smart enough to do something positive. You can't reverse the flow of stupidity, Sarah. People get to dumber. contribute to people just becoming... Um, like robotic, basically. Like it's it's the dehumanization of uh, people. Did you just go to college last night or something? <laughs> I'm serious. There, there's nothing you, you can, can make a difference, Rick Emerson. You, I can't. You can't stop the spread of stupidity. I, I don't think you can make a difference. And I think someone <laughs> agree here. All you can do is to hope to cash in on the stupidity. Well, Jerry Springer. Stop. That's exactly. I was. Let's just agree to disagree. I'm I'm fully support you and your idea. You know what I was watching yesterday by accident? I was watching a little bit of King of Queens, uh, and I was thinking to myself. That's what's it, Kevin James, that that guy mm-hmm. on King of Queens? Because I think he used to be kind of an edgy stand-up comic. And, you know, I don't think anybody is really ever born going, you know what, I want to grow up and be in a mediocre sitcom that brings laughs to no one but morons. <laughs> but you know what? You're out there doing kind of groundbreaking, intellectual, interesting comedy, and after a while you realize that can't buy bread. You can't pay, you can't buy buy food with intelligence, Sarah. So what he decided to hey, do... Hey, I'm not the one talking... You're talking about this. I just told you my opinion. You do what you want. You go make millions, and That's right. I shall... I'm going to wring every dollar out of the dumb middle section of America that I possibly can with this reality show idea. All right, here's Tim Riley. Watermelon throwing hoodlums have damaged two vehicles and tigered overnight. One of the victims said somebody threw a watermelon through the front windshield of his brand-new Chevy pickup at Southwest Benchview Terrace in Tigers' Bull Mountain neighborhood. He reported to police who told him they received several reports overnight of people throwing watermelons. Another one damaged the tail of another vehicle. And uh, let's see here. Apparently, this guy's having difficulty finding a replacement windshield. How could that possibly be? I don't know. It is... It is a, a pickup truck, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's not. It's, it's not like some. It's not like it's a. The, it says it's a brand new Chevy pickup. He's having trouble finding a replacement window. Has he contacted Leif's Auto Collision Center, the finest in collision repair? He should go to Leif's dot com right now. There you That's go, sir. L e i f apostrophe sponsors dot com. Highly recommend that you investigate that now. All right. For all your watermelon damage repairs. Yes. So they're out there in Tigard, and they're out to get you. Oh, we talked about this yesterday. Portland students are getting a free pass when it comes to a school bus. Uh, coming up today, the city council, oh, they have approved a proposal to give 6th through 12th graders in Multnomah County free 
Trimeth passes. Oh, no. Uh, the Mayor Tom <clears throat> Potter and Commissioner Sam Adams co-sponsored the resolution. According to the county's youth pass program, there's a shortage of ways for kids to get to school. How could that possibly be? I don't want to go out for drinking. How many ways to get to school are there? And what are the shortages of getting to school? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess unless you unless you live 50 miles away from the from the one room schoolhouse or something with the bell on top. I mean, there were, we still live in a city, right? Yeah. Well, whatever. And kid, walking is good for kids. God, we sound like such cranky old people. But seriously, and I know I'm I know I'm in the biggest baddest glass house on earth right now with just a big bucket full of rocks, but. Can't you just ride a bike or something? I mean, isn't exercise good for kids? Yep, it sure so, is. I mean, and how far away from your school could you possibly live? Aren't there schools yeah, scattered throughout district. the city? That's yeah. what I mean. It's a school district. How far away from, well, you, how far, you had to walk, right? Yeah, absolutely. I can't believe we're having this discussion. I walked to school. In the snow and the rain and the sleet. How far did you have to walk? At least a mile. Sarah? Oh. Did you take a bus? How far from the school were no, you? No, I probably lived like... Probably like a 15, 20-minute walk. Is this one I would of those, walk every day. See, and I walk to school. Is this one of those things, God, listen to us. Uh, is this one of those things, though, that like seems like a great idea to us because we are past the age of 18 and therefore it can't possibly affect us? Have you noticed this, too, that as soon as you hit 18, you're fine with the idea of year-round schooling? I don't know. I feel like the kids need a lot of stuff, but what they don't need, it's not a necessity for them to have bus passes for public transportation. It just seems silly. And especially because, and lest anybody think that we're just being cranky old bastards about this, are they... <laughs> What was that? <laughs> We're cranky ambassadors. <laughs> My lawn, off, you. Uh, so, but th- th- here's the other thing about this. Uh, it, it, so we've established that at least two of us in the room did walk to school. Sarah could have. Uh, oh, I did. You did. Mm-hmm. And are you saying that this is now for all 6th through 12th graders? Uh-huh. In so, Multnomah County. Okay. So this, Not Clackamas County. No. Washington County. So, so this, of course, then begs the following question. No, I mean I know I'm using that term incorrectly, but whatever it does, it leads so to this. They're complaining question. about the price of fuel. But I get, but my thing is like, I would see, I would have no problem with this if a you live a prohibitive distance from the school and b you are in a low income family. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, you know this is the case: mom, dad unemployed, can't buy a bus pass, whatever. But and because buses already, I mean, there's already a discount if you're of a certain age, if you are a student, correct? Mm-hmm. So if you're somehow able to cough up the coin for that. I mean, I think that there is such a thing as a social safety net. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, so I'm not completely atavistic. But the idea, but the problem with this is it sounds like they're just kind of giving it out just by dint they're of being. giving it away. That's what I'm saying, Tim. They're just giving it to everybody between the, the grades of 6 and 12, whether or not there's a financial necessity for it. It's a bunch of crap is what that is. All right. Well, it won't be stopped. It's socialism, Tim. This is a socialist town. It is. It's the creeping red menace. They swallowed the red bait down there at City Hall, Tim. Hook, part line, of the, and sinker. Part of the nanny state. Uh, I think we all know what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a, You know what it is? That's a page out of the little red school book. Yes, it is. All right. Uh, Legend Homes, one of Oregon's largest builders, has filed for bankruptcy after its parent company made some bad land investments. Uh, corporate officials hope to use Chapter 11 bankruptcy to work out payment schedules with creditors to restart home building as soon as possible. The parent company Matrix uh, Development reported between $100 million and $500 in assets and liabilities. It owes creditors $90.6 million, according to the bankruptcy filing. Wait a minute. They're trying to get out of something, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they are, Tim. Mm, it seems they have a lot of money in the bank, yet they're declaring Chapter 11. Hmm. Oh, since uh, the year 2000, Legends has built 1,700 homes with a total of 365 million. Is there really a need to build a lot of more, you know, a lot more homes right now? I mean, are we really short of homes? Or do we just have a lot of homes that are there that people can't buy? There are a lot. 
that have been sitting on the market for like over a year now. Yeah, so brand I mean, new ones. It just it doesn't seem the idea that we somehow Even need to be busting our asses to build new homes seems a little misguided to me. It is. All right. And some of the things they originally planned, like I know, Legends and Arbor Homes were planning this uh, this little French shopping district at one of their developments. And I went down there looking for this little French village, and all of a sudden it's just tumbleweeds. It, it <laughs> One sad like, dead Frenchman, his bones like bleached in the sun. Soviet architecture, <laughs> cement blocks. And I was, where is the little French village? <laughs> just nothing but... Well, we are going to get a Starbucks down here eventually. <laughs> Le Starbucks. Just nothing but dust and rebar. Just in sadness. But originally it did look like France <sighs> uh, on the drawing board, but now we're just... Looks like cement blocks. So it looks like occupation era France. It, it looks like France circa 1943. Yes. Everyone staying in their homes, weeping to themselves. <laughs> I wish I was not such a coward. So the Paris of Wilsonville <laughs> will not be built as originally planned. Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. All right. Uh, somebody asked me the other day. Uh, somebody said, but this, it is one of those things they asked me because I guess they assume that because I'm on the radio and I stand next to a person who does the news that I somehow know things. Do you ever get that where people would, because I'm here... You know, in like close proximity to Tim, people think that I know the news. And well, because we're in this environment, I think generally we do know more things than the average person because we're exposed to more of it on a daily basis. I suppose that's true. I guess I can recite a lot of things that happen. I don't really understand them or know what they mean. Uh, somebody, because somebody said, "Well, this is a really good time to be buying a house," and I kind of said, mm -hmm. "Like I tried to give a sort of non-committal yes, response because I, I didn't know so. if it was true or not." Yeah, I would say so because uh, all the prices were were too high up. Especially in some of these newer homes, like I know some of these uh, legends started at, well, three-something, and now they're down to two-something. Not just legends, but a lot of the newer homes. So it's a buying low, Yeah, but if you want to sell one right now, <laughs> yeah. there's no buyers. It'll sit on the market for a long time. <laughs> Years! <laughs> he says with barely restrained evil glee. <laughs> it is a buyer's market. Yes. Yeah. Blood yes. in the streets, as they say. Yes. Uh, but don't try to sell anything. No. But... Uh, I mean, unless you want the for sale sign to be on your property for like a year and a half. <laughs> you know, I'd like to be in the business of selling for sale signs. That's really where the money is right now. And the bad part is, uh, the other bad part for sellers, your poor real estate agent has to pay for the gas out of his own pocket <laughs> at $4 a gallon to take you to visit 100 homes within a 50-mile radius. The homes that will never sell. <laughs> Here's another thing you're not going to buy. Can we leave now? Great, thanks. It only costs $75 to drive down the street and show you this, even though you had no intention. To even so, uh, do you have any earnest money? No, we just like looking at homes. It's sort of a home version of window shopping. on the internet. It's about 80 miles from here. <laughs> we are taking your car, are we? Can we, just, can we stop at a McDonald's along yeah. the way? <laughs> you are treating, aren't you? <laughs> you didn't have any intention of buying this home, did you? No. Uh, it's a pretty tree. <laughs> we just wanted to get away from it all for the day. Fantastic. Yep. <laughs> oh, listen to this. A woman awakens to a burglar licking her back. Yeah. Maybe he was working his way down. Her back? Yeah. Well, he just started. Okay. <laughs> a woman sleeping in a northeast Portland apartment was startled awake by a burglar licking her back. <sighs> yeah, the man... She ran away on foot after she woke up. The woman's underwear had been sliced in two, ah. and cash was missing. This happened around 3.30 a.m. A man living in an apartment nearby at Northeast 125th Place. He woke to find a stranger crunched over his bed. Wait, his bed? 
Oh, this is weird. He must have struck twice. So it wasn't oh, a... oh, police think it was the same man in both incidents. So. Oh, I see. So he went from one house to the to, to the yeah. to the other. I don't think he got licked though. So, uh, I, I'm confused. So the woman wakes up. Mm-hmm. There's someone licking her back. Yes. The and, man runs away, and then she, she just wakes up. her underwear had been sliced in half, mm-hmm. and money is missing. missing. So that's really creepy because I mean, apart from the obvious. Because I would imagine for somebody to slice your underwear in half while you're asleep, that's a pretty stealthy behavior. Yeah, I mean, you got to work really slow and steady there. Mm-hmm. You know, scissors or a Ginsu knife or how does that work? <laughs> Ginsu knife. <laughs> Weed whacker. Um, but, I mean, that the, 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 that would require kind of sitting there for a long time working real slow. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you I've know, tried to get up. I've tried to get out of bed in the morning to go to the, to, like, to the bathroom without waking up the dog, and that's not easy. So, I mean, the idea that you're actually having to, like, pull back the covers and then having to, like, snip, snip, snip the underwear or whatever, that's, well, I mean. You're kind of taken out of her drawer. It doesn't say if she was wearing it or not. I mean, but what is your ultimate, here's what I don't understand. Well, she must have been wearing it, though. Because why would you take a pair of underwear out of the drawer and then just cut them in half? I don't know. Why would you cut it in half if she's wearing it? Well, because my thought was, I say, now putting myself into the mind of a criminal, Tim. The back liquor uh, himself. I don't want to know what you're saying. <laughs> it's, like I'm, it's like I'm suddenly, it's like I'm on this CSI criminal intent now. Pretend you're the burgling back liquor. What would you do with this? <laughs> burgling back liquor. That's fantastic. Burgling back liquor. I barely knew her. Uh, so my thinking was maybe the end game was he cuts off the underwear, cuts them in half, but then, in other words, maybe he was trying to get the underwear off of her. How about some for now, some for later? Or sharing with a friend? <laughs> Don't take all that underwear at once, Jimmy. Um, so my thinking was maybe he was trying to get all of her underwear off of her, but figured you can't just like be yanking the underwear off because she'll wake up. Uh, and uh, then you have to chloroform her. And, and so but maybe he was trying to cut them off and take them off of her in sections. Sort of like... How when you were in high school... That would take extreme precision not to wake her up. But he didn't wake her up uh, until he was licking her back. Do you see what I mean? He already was able to cut the underwear in half without waking her up. This is like when you take a part of a VW bug and then you put it in a tree. You should have been just satisfied with the underwear and left it that That's what I would have said. And and done the back looking at another time. I mean, really spread out your uh, your crimes over more than two houses. And just take the back panel of her underwear and be happy with that. Next time you find a woman sleeping on her back, you get the front of her underwear. Then you got yourself a whole pair of underwear, my friend. Mm. Under arrest is Isman Hale, who was found at another apartment in the same complex. He claimed he spent the night with his girlfriend and said they had arrested the wrong man. Does, does his girlfriend talk like Jennifer Lopez and look like his right hand? I don't know. Okay. Where were you tonight? Nowhere. You were stealing underwear. No, I wasn't. Sorry. The weird thing, the dumb thing is I actually brought up my hand and was actually using my hand right then, just like Senior Wences. <laughs> It's radio. I could have just done the whole thing like this without moving my hand, but I had to bring up my hand. Tim, and... did you draw the face on your hand? No, please don't. Hi, Tim. Hi, cookies. All right, here's Tim Riley. I that know. sounded like something from Tommy Boy. <laughs> did right it? When he came into the motel oh, room. Oh, yeah. That's um, what I thought. Housekeeping. Oh, exactly. I'm asleep for the love of God. Yes. All right. That's Boy, that's just, how great is that movie? And you, know you are why? insane today. You know this. You say right? that every day. day before vacation, no, but Tim, why. is he more insane today than he is usually? Yes, I hope those are the new pills the, psych- the psychiatrist gave you. Oh, I don't get it's those for weeks. It's not just me. We'll end up with a 12 share. Take another one. <laughs> I don't get those for like four and a half weeks still. Darn. Uh, I do have another shrink appointment today right on my way out of town. Uh but, you know, there's a stupid shrink who will prescribe, if that's what he chooses to do. I don't get to see him for, like, another four weeks now. 
I mean, the, the health, uh, this is my common lament all the time, but I mean, the, the insurance system, the healthcare system in general in this country, whether you are insured or not, is just crazy. Oh, and dental's even worse. Now they pay less than 50% for a new crowd. Less. Really? Yes. What do you, I mean, it's not even really insurance then. No, it's like, I mean. Uh, it's just a bank account that you're obliged to pay into that then you take the money out of and pay for your dental. It's not even insurance. That didn't make any sense. Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so I waited six weeks to go see this. Uh, she does like a preemptive or whatever, a preliminary screening for, for medication. And then she's like, okay, that'll be great. Somebody be in touch in five weeks. And so I got to wait another five weeks. And then and only then if that he goes. Seem right. Oh, and then what if I was truly crazy? And then and only we, we, we just come here every day to be amused. <laughs> so it's a total. Of, we don't want you to get better. It is a total of twelve <laughs> weeks, three months from first phone call to uh, to pharmacy. If they just had to give me something, four weeks more of for, gold for, before you're all for, sedated. For our own jealous reason, we hope, we hope that you remain unsedated. Okay. <laughs> well, Ben Bad is lucky to be alive after a deal went through his front windshield on Highway 97. This wasn't a watermelon. Uh, this happened as 37-year-old Jeremy Pollard drove his Subaru station wagon, a girl's car, <laughs> on the highway. Suddenly, a deer ran into the path of the vehicle. It was like a deer in the headlights. He hit the deer and it went partially through the front windshield. Wait. But on the driver's side, it wasn't like a deer in headlights. That's normally a simile that people use. I don't know. When the boss asked me about the report, I was like a deer in headlights. Mm -hmm. Was this a deer that he hit on the road? Yes. Because the deer was startled? Yes. Because he was coming at it yes. at night, mm -hmm. not like a deer in headlights. It was actually a deer in headlights. It was a deer in headlights. <laughs> it was literally. a deer in headlights, literally. <laughs> so it's uh, partially through the windshield on the driver's side. Uh, Pollard is extremely lucky that the windshield uh, partially deflected the deer, and he did not receive the uh, direct impact. But the deer died. Oh, that's unfortunate. Well, I guess we should have expected that. Uh, but, you know, those things, will, those things will destroy your whole car. Uh, my next door neighbor, when I was a kid, hit, uh, God, I think it was a deer or something. It was like an elk, just something massive. And he had a big ass, like a Ford F-150 or whatever, like a huge truck, just completely destroyed. I mean, he's, it's a miracle he didn't die. I mean, those things will just, uh, have you ever been driving a, across the road or down the road and, and something, you know, like a deer runs in front of your car? A uh, moose ran alongside me once. Really? Was he trying to catch a ride? <laughs> he hey, he was, he was are you going to Ontario? Have you seen that Family Guy with the <laughs> no. hitchhiking moose? <laughs> no. I'll do moose things to you. <laughs> Can you take me down to the end of this highway? I'll walk from there. Um, uh, <laughs> are you going to play this air check back to your shrink <laughs> Yeah, Between the talking hand and you pretending to be a moose. And the talking moose. I think... I just love the idea of a moose running alongside your car. Like, for what reason? Was he trying to, like a dog, when a dog chases the car? It was going north. It was a straight line, and the moose decided it would be a good way to go. So, oh, so it wasn't, he wasn't, like, chasing your car. A moose couldn't chase a car. He just happened, in other words, he wasn't following your car. He was going that way already. Right. I mean, even if he was following, it'd be impossible to know if it was my car. I was on the turnpike. Okay, now that's true. Uh, I was driving one time years ago, though, uh, near, I think it was in Washington somewhere, uh, like maybe like Chehalis or something. Anyway, driving along, and it wasn't right in front of me. It was maybe 50 yards in front of me, but that's enough. That's a, And it was, of course, pitch black at night. That's close enough to freak you out, man. If you're driving along at 50 miles an hour and you see, because you know you're always supposed to be prepared for these things, but you see that flash in front of you and you look and there's a big-ass animal running across the highway in front of your car, mm -hmm. 
And, I mean, it's just, A, it's startling because, like, whoa, there's a thing. And then you realize, like, that would have completely, like, that would have destroyed my automobile. So, Jesus. All right. Well, there you go. So try not to hit, the uh, you know, things. What kind of automobiles are women attracted to? Well, it all depends on what kind of uh, man you're trying to attract. Uh, so we have a list of uh, vehicles here that women seem to enjoy. Uh, if women like the drivers of Chevy Suburbans, men who drive these things are adventurous and enjoy spending time with friends and family. This is what, a Chevy Suburban? Yeah. These women are what? Uh, they're attracted to adventurous types who enjoy spending time with family and friends. I just That's a think lie. you're a moron who's paying like 120 bucks a week for gas. I like guys who waste their money. <laughs> a lady named Lorraine. Chevy's vehicles attract women. Uh, let's see. These guys are down-to-earth and easygoing. Wait, I mean, which I- car? Uh, the Chevy Suburban. Oh, so are we still in the Suburban? I guess. Um, I mean, I guess that. I guess that does indicate that the guy's willing to lavish money on things. That's a guy that'll buy you a twelve-dollar drink, probably. You know. Because gas is two hundred dollars. I was just gonna say, if he's willing to drive something that costs like, like you know, two, like two hundred bucks or whatever to fill. I mean, you know, I guess. I guess he's probably willing to buy you something big and shiny. The Mercedes S-Class. The ladies say these men are classy. Successful and stylish. <laughs> These vehicles attract sophisticated women. Who this is, I know a lot of unclassy men with nice cars. These are the these are the most obvious observations <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Then there's the Ford F50. These are driven by men who are insecure, according to a woman named Lorraine. <laughs> and overcompensate. Had one of <laughs> Seriously. And overcompensate for this by acting tough. According to Lorraine, who has dated a series of losers and jackasses. He's not overcompensating with the Suburban. Lorraine says F-150s attract women who prefer to be protected by a man. Who is Lorraine? (laughs) These are vehicles according to Lorraine. This is Lorraine's list. Who who is Lorraine? Uh, She's looking for a man. (laughs) Okay. She's a a man-hungry woman. The man may be going in the opposite direction. Seriously, that's what it sounds like. What kind of guy drives a Ford F-150? Guys like Jeff. Cheaters. Guys like Jeff who say they're going to call you and they never call you. When I give you my number at a party and you say you're going to call somebody, you're supposed to call. What are you, a bastard? That's exactly what Lorraine sounds like. The Corvette. It is the official midlife crisis car, according to Lorraine. This is so outdated. This is like a list from 1990. are conservative. And they're trying to display their wild side. Uh, Lorraine says uh, men who drive the Corvette are bad boys, who are probably looking for bad girls. Uh, the Toyota Camry is driven by men who are typically solid, reliable, and committed, according to Lorraine. <laughs> this list is useless. Well, complain to Lorraine. I think it... Can I see that? Sure. Complain to Lorraine. Complain to Lorraine. There's always TriMet. Uh, TriMet riders are breaking records thanks to high gas prices. Now, some of these uh, figures are a little bit murky. Uh, weekly rides on TriMet and buses is up 4.4%. That is a 3.3% increase over April 2008 weekly figures. They must make these things up. Yes, they do. I mean, who counts these? No one. I mean, half the people riding on the Mac still don't buy tickets every day. <laughs> it's true. And and whatever happened to all those uh, promised police that were supposed to be on the Mac? They never arrived. And people yeah. checking tickets. <laughs> neither. Neither are riding on the Mac. <laughs> uh, weekly rides on the Macs are up 4.4%. This is like, let's make up some figures. We really don't know if they're so. Uh, let's see. Most commuters ride the max during rush hour. An additional 5,400 trips were taken in May 2007. That's 11.2% increase. 
That brings the total morning commutes to 52,500. <laughs> I'm getting the most profane emails about giving free bus passes to children. I mean, so just, are people agreeing with us, or are they? Oh, they're agreeing with us. People that just, I got an email this guy, Richard sent me an email, I, so unbelievably angry that I couldn't even clean it up for the air. Uh, so, yeah, I think we've struck a chord with people. Uh, here's somebody, uh, let's see, we've got some calls here, let's see. One is about something, one is about Family Guy, one is about free bus passes. Do we want to take a call about free bus passes? Yeah, we do, because we're concerned about the community in which we live. Might as well. Nope, wrong line. Okay, we just use your finger. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. I don't want to touch you? anything. I want to use, like, know, gloves you want, and a pen. you want pen. another wipey thing? You just touched your eye, by the way. I know I did. Will you stop? Hello, hi. Hi, Rick. What's up? Well, this bus pass thing, and Tim just mentioned the ridership numbers that are made up. I think that the conspiracy theory here is mm-hmm. we want to make as many people ride that as possible and make the numbers look bigger so that we can build more. That's why they want to give away passes. But they for what for what honest. purpose? Like what would who would benefit from such a conspiracy? The, well, Portland's crazy about building trains and buses and streetcars. We can't just can't build roads. Well, that's true. I mean, we, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like Portland needs a reason or provocation to build stuff. They just sort of do it for lack of anything better to do. I just and didn't they just raise the rates? By the way. Not yet. They did. But they announced a rate increase. They, yeah. they announced a rate increase. Well, they do every September. So they, on the one hand, are going to be raising the rates for everybody, and then on the other hand, going to be giving bus passes away. Uh, to I mean, Do we know how many kids that is? No. And here's the other thing. Are they going to give you the – I'm assuming this is a pass that is good all the time. Oh, maybe it's a yearly pass. You know what? Are they going to give you a pass that's only good between like 7 and 9 a.m. and a like 2 and 4 in the afternoon? Mm-hmm. Boy, could we sound crazy? They should. They better not give them passes like 24 hours a day. They better be four set school hours. And no, you know they won't. Passes. No, you know they won't. You know it'll be a pass that they can use to like go to the bowling alley to sell drugs. All right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, here's something for all you kids. A Gossip Girl spinoff is in the works by the producers of the CW yeah. show. Oh, that's great, because there's not enough of that crap in my house already. Now I can double the amount of time You're I have to leave the You're the one pitching a reality room. show. You know, but uh, my reality Gossip show is Girl good. Gossip gold. Uh, well, the series is going to be based on the IT Girl books, which are written by Gossip Girl author Cicely Von Zizugoffer. <laughs> It'll follow a... Uh, yeah. A popularity. <laughs> I dispute that that's the accurate pronunciation, <laughs> pronunciation of her name. Oh, what did you say her name was, Tim? Cicely Von uh, Siegelhofer. <laughs> I think you said Sizzlegoffer last time. Well, that's her cousin. <laughs> uh, it'll follow a, a popularity-hungry teen who begins attending a boarding school where she finds a way to reinvent herself and become a popular girl. She then realizes she will need to watch her back. Oh, maybe the uh, backlicker is in her neighborhood. When it comes to all the people she thought were her friends. The CW is not commentating on the possibility of a spit-off. The Gossip Girl stars Leighton Meester, Blake Lively, Chance Crawford. These are all made up. Chance Crawford, Penn Bagley, Ed Westwick, and Taylor Momsen. That's a whole series of unfortunate names there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my wife watches Gossip Girl, so this will be good news for her, bad news for me. I is this for it... adult women or children? No, it's for children. <laughs> no, it's for like for young women, like around their like I'd say like late teens, early twenties. I was having this discussion with Lara actually because she is sort of she is sort of interest, interested in who the target audience is because because I because okay, Gossip Girl is it's scripted though, right? It's not a reality show. No, it's not a reality show. The Hills is a reality show. Well, that's what they say. 
I mean, sort of. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I asked my wife, I said, well, who is the target audience for Gossip Girl? And she said she couldn't figure out if it was a show that they sort of positioned as being for teenage girls, but that was secretly for, like, her age group. In other words, it was a little bit of anti-marketing. You know, like, it was a show filled with teenagers, but they were really aiming it at, like, housewives, you know, and, like, like, in the soccer mom types. Or if it was a show for adults that kids really latched onto, or if it was somehow both. I think it's both. And my sister, you know, she lives in Brooklyn. Like, her and all of her friends who range from, like, you know, early 20s to late 20s to, I think, early 30s, they all get together every week and watch it. Because I know it's a huge thing in New York. And, yeah. And I've seen it a couple times. It's just so trashy and awesome. It makes me I angry. Love that stuff. No, it just fills me with anger. But it's, I, I like it because it's just... It's so like fanciful and so fake. Like it's just it's entertainment. You know what I am. Um, uh, uh, you know what I said um, uh, the other day. I was just talking to somebody about um, that, that that show that the, the Real Wives of New York or Housewives of New York, whatever that oh, show that's is. Boring. Is that what the one? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, the Real Housewives of New York. Boy, I watched. I watched by accident about 12 minutes of that, and I was just like filled with the urge to kill everybody on the that Orange show. County women are a lot better. Are they ever, Tim? <laughs> Uh, you seem to be more centered. You know, here's the thing about uh, just back on my reality show for a moment, which is... Uh, oh, now Gossip Girl head honcho Josh Schwartz said the spin-off rumors are not true. In just the last 30 seconds? Yes. Is he listening to us? He must be. Josh just phoned Rick. I'm Richie. not sure how this got there, but there are no plans for a spin-off at this moment. The books do have a spin-off, but we have nothing in the works right now other than making sure season two gets off to a great start. Hmm. Did you see that Gina Gershon's people denied that thing about her getting it on with Bill Clinton, but then Vanity Fair said that it's absolutely true? They they not only didn't deny it, they like redoubled their claims that it's that it's accurate. Um, the thing about my reality show, why do we have to break? Because it's twelve forty and we haven't taken a break. Are you a slave to the clock? Who's your master, Sarah? Is it your own destiny or is it a clock? You know, you're going to be gone for a couple of days. Let me just say, I have about twenty seven live reads for you, so we need to take a break. Oh. Read four in a row. Here's my thing. Final <laughs> thought. You know, the great thing about this reality show that I'm at, that I'm going to pitch yeah. is that I can just recycle one of my old titles. I can just call it Remote Control because it has the same kind of cool double meaning. I like Bam. it. I like uh, it. Well, you're going to Southern California. Why don't you do something about it? While I'm there, I'll track down Mark Burnett. Good. Find Corn. something for me while you're down there. <laughs> you know something in it for you. You know you could do? Why don't you Find you an to... Aura Wheat Bread ad. Just one. Just one. buddies with Mark Burnett. Really? Yeah, because he, he did Rockstar Supernova. Okay, I have to go. I'll be back. Maybe you don't have to go to California. <laughs> I need to build a sex temple. I don't mean for this to sound sleazy, but what do you wear when I put my baby in you? I better take off my pants. Take off your panties. Let me go to uh, the horny slut.com grapefruit like bosoms. Your bosoms? Uh, which are plentiful. It's really possible it's being hidden in my box. You must take my seat. I was waiting for the anus. No matter what you do in your life, you will never be as retarded as I am. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I did have a little flashback to myself uh, the other day. I was watching Family Guy. I realize now that all my stories start with I was watching Family Guy. Um, hey, did you see that video clip somebody sent us of the, them doing the voices in the studio? Oh, yeah, you haven't seen that? No, I've never seen it. It's kind of weird. Isn't Seth MacFarlane, just, isn't it freaky? He's got all those voices come out of him. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, anyway, I was watching the, uh, the, the, I was watching the one where, I was watching the Family Guy where, um, 
Stewie miniaturizes himself like Fantastic Voyage style and goes inside Peter to try to make sure that Peter impregnates Lois uh, because he wants another brother. And uh, this is great. This is great. Uh, this is a great moment where he's, you must take his seed. And it was like exactly, it was like a weird little kind of a thing. You know, Fantastic Voyage, that's a movie they ought to remake. I think Fantastic Voyage, as much as I'm not for the remake into classic films, I think, like, you give that to Steven Spielberg, somebody like that, Fantastic Voyage would be a great film if they redid that right now. Here's another film that needs to be redone. Tim, maybe you saw the original, The uh, Incredible Shrinking Man. Yes. The Incredible Shrinking Man, great film. I think that could stand to have a good a good glossy put a, you know, coat of paint put back on it at this point. That sounds good. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the Oregon State Police say one of their troopers fell 50 feet over a cliff and would help crawled a half mile to get to a vehicle that could get him to some medical help. 38-year-old Larry Johnson's resting comfortably in a Ben hospital with a leg injury. He was helping state fish and wildlife workers conduct the census of bighorn sheep. Pardon me, Mr. Sheep, are you a native of Oregon? Well, apparently he grabbed a tree, but the tree gave way, and over the cliff he went. With the help of workers, he crawled back to an all-terrain vehicle. So workers helped him crawl? I don't understand this. Why don't they just pick him up? Did they stand I, by him I as was he, just as wondering that. I was actually just... No, 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 you're almost there. Keep going. Keep, keep going. Meanwhile, you know, I just picture the guy with, like, with like a soda, like... No, no, you're almost there. No, you got another 20 feet. Keep going, partner. That's not a tarantula right next to you. <laughs> I mean... Watch out for the big horn sheep. They're very... Maybe they tried to help him, but it was like a cop fried thing where he wouldn't, you know, like, no, 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 I can make it. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense at all. So I guess they were doing a census of bighorn sheep. I don't know how often they do that, but I have no idea how many live here. A Missouri man is counting his blessings after having his skull pierced with a nail from a friend's nail gun. Uh, George Chandler was building a lattice for the missus when it happened. <laughs> he narrowly avoided serious damage to his speech, physical movement, and eyesight. The 60-year-old said he, uh, he was underneath his friend, who was on a ladder... When the nail gun accidentally went off. He was under his friend when his friend nailed him. Apparently so. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. just... <laughs> thank you, Tim. I, thank you. I appreciate that. <sighs> Chandler said the two were unable to... Uh, they weren't able to find it initially. What are we talking about here? <laughs> My friend was going to nail me, but he couldn't find it when he, he was on top of me. <sighs> and then they found something on the left side of his head. <laughs> Maybe that's why they couldn't find it. That's the wrong. Uh, that's when they said they found it too. I'm sorry. What was that, Tim? Look in your mind, Tim. Story again. I don't understand who was underneath who, and what they couldn't find. Well, eventually they did, and it turned out to be just a, a two-inch nail. He had, and he felt no pain from the accident. And we'll continue to build the uh, lattice for the white ones. I don't understand. He was on Matt Lauer, or no, not Matt. When, I keep wanting to say Matt Lauer because that was the um, McCain thing. But I think he was on Good Morning America. Or is that Matt Lauer? No, Matt Lauer's on NBC. Okay. That's uh, today, isn't it? Sure. Uh, but he was on there this morning. Uh, I caught a little glimpse of him on the TV uh, this morning where he was sitting there going, and he just seems like, seems like a real dullard. He was just sort of a, although I guess, you know, maybe... Not used to the big city and the bright lights and having a nail in his head. Well, he's from Shawnee, Missouri. Well, there you go. And I was, all, and he was sitting. He, he had like a, like a, like a. It looked like Fishy one of those hat with, with hooks hanging out of it. it. It almost, but it was like a railroad engineer's cap that he kept like twisting and fidgeting nervously. And anyway, so we went right into my skull. Uh, but then he didn't notice it. How would you not notice that there was a two-inch nail in your head? That's true. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, There's... not everybody looks in the mirror in the morning. <laughs> 
People are in a rush these days. I get, I get what with bigger commutes. What with big city life, Tim? That's true. I guess if you didn't comb your hair that morning, uh, maybe you wouldn't notice it. Did somebody point it out to him? Did somebody eventually. say, "Hey, Bob, you got a little something"? No, not there. No, up. No, 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 not there. No, no. What's it's, that? What's that cowlick on the side of your head? No, it's a little almost. Yeah, that right. No, no, no. The other left. No, no, no. Now my left, your left. No, that right. No, no. There, right there. That. What's that? Oh, it's a nail. Okay. Hulk Hogan's estranged wife, Linda, has filed an emergency court motion asking a Florida judge to throw the wrestling legend in jail for failing to pay her the agreed $4.2 million to buy an apartment in Las Vegas. Buy your own apartment. Yeah. Why should he? $4.2 million to buy an apartment? I mean, you could buy several apartments with $4.2 million. I would think you could buy several apartments with $2 million. Mm-hmm. All right. That's the way some of these women are. You know what they need, Tim. I guess so, a financial consultant? <laughs> that's exa- that's <laughs> Indeed. Ex- that's exactly what I was thinking, Tim. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You know about the nail gun accident. Oh, I don't know about that one, but I know about another one. Of course you do. How can I help you? Heard one, you heard uh, them all, really. I used to be a roofer, and uh, one of our Spanish-speaking employees was uh, trying to nail up the new fly rafter because the other one I had brought off. So he's hanging. He's at the peak of the roof. He's hanging over the end with a nail gun, trying to get some 16-penny nails into the fly rafter so it'll stick, and he misses, and it goes through the roof into his eye. Wait. He's, is it like an overhang? Yeah. Oh, he's so he goes. So he's the underneath the overhang, but his, well, the nail gun on, is up. He's, he's on, laying down on top of the roof. Looking over. Looking over, because the fly rafter is that... Is that piece of wood you see that's underneath your roof line? Ah, yeah. And he's looking over, and so his face and the nail gun are on opposite sides of the same wood. Toward himself. Oh, that's where did it go? Uh, into his eye. Uh, that's no good. Uh, well, the funny part is, is that he's screaming in Spanish, and only two guys understand him. <laughs> he stands up and steps forward off the roof. Oh, oh, oh wow! How yeah. did how did everything work out for that guy? I don't know. He never came back. He decided maybe that wasn't wasn't his, his bag. But he took him to the hospital, and he just never came back. I would, <laughs> I would, uh, Jorge, are you going to be back tomorrow? No. no. <laughs> going to find another job. All right. Yeah. Thank you, sir. You bet, man. I love the idea that he's screaming in Spanish, though, and because it's a bunch of people who don't speak Spanish, they have no... What's Jorge yelling about? I don't know. I think he. I think he wants lunch. <laughs> and, then, and then he just st- stands up and walks off the roof. Oh, to have had it on film. Here's Tim Riley. The French Spider-Man back on the ground now and in a New York City courtroom today after climbing the New York Times building. Uh, Elaine Robert faces misdemeanor charges for the climb, but he says he was never uh, putting the public in danger by his exploit. Uh, I was climbing above the street instead of climbing above the avenue. I did try to avoid rush hour. I... Uh, this ascent was an ascent uh, grade 1 on a scale from 1 to 10. He took all precautions necessary. I did climb above the street. I, uh, I did avoid the rush hour. I, did, uh, I made a test on the building for being sure that everything was, was clear, was solid. I am a professional climber. The climb was for a good cause. Sometimes things are not exactly uh, right, you know. Some people uh, are doing bad things and they are not going to be punished. And some people, uh, they are doing good things and then they are punished. The uh, French Spider-Man makes an offer to New York City. If uh, 
I really would like, you know, if there is something that I can do for the city in New York, I would be very happy to do it. Well, he doesn't seem like an evil Frenchman. He just seems crazy. Yeah, like they all are. Yeah. Hey, who was that, what was that French villain at the beginning of The Incredibles? The other day I was, I couldn't think of his name. The French villain? You know, at the beginning of The Incredibles, uh, when Mr. Incredible, we've all seen The Incredibles? Yeah. Oh, come on. You still haven't watched The Iron Giant either. I see into your soul. Alright, I see how it is. I don't mean to. No, that's fine. Whatever. At the beginning of The Incredibles, though, Mr. Incredible is, along with the little Jason Lee kid, is fighting that French villain who blows things up, and he has a, he has a, he has a cool name, and I couldn't think of it. Right, it doesn't matter now. Nothing matters now. That's fine, Sarah. Whatever. Here's Tim Riley. Well, you have a couple of extra days. Think about it. You can tell us when you come back. KCMD Portland. Mm -hmm. The home of lies. Lies and deception. Maybe I'll bring Promises it to never and watch it during the. Yeah, don't watch of... it. Don't, don't watch it on the air, though. You gotta. You gotta look. Here's. I mean this sincerely. I know. Here it goes again. I'm just saying. Well, just I know, and I know you want it. You back, don't want to watch it. I do. I don't watch want it. it back. It's not like I, I mean I do, but it's like I'm like I need it now. I do want to watch it. No, I would tell you if I didn't intend on. I'm not asking you because it's like I need it back or because I, I you know, I because I, I mind you having it somehow. I'm just saying. I feel at this point it's going to be a thing you do just as a favor to me, and then you're, and then it's like you'll have to, you know, you know, either you like it or you won't. But it's like now it's like watching it is just a thing you're doing just to placate me. I, I would, I wanted you to sort of watch yeah, it to enjoy it. I'm going to go spend some time over at my a... friend's house this week who has who has a little boy mm -hmm. who's like four. Do you think that he'd enjoy it? It's a, uh, I mean, it's it, it is. I would say that it's it's you know, it, mm, there's some. Uh, there's some moments that are. Uh, are they scary? Because he gets. No, scary. it's not scary. But just sad. It's not scary, but it is. It is. Um, it is a, a, at times very poignant story. Mm -hmm. I would say that. I. Uh, I would think that uh, there might be some consoling needed. Uh, okay, at certain I don't points in the movie. At my house. Sort of. Children you know what are I mean? Very resilient. Yeah. There's. There's some. There's some moments in the film. Will it be like when I watched The Little Mermaid when I was younger and she died and turned into sea foam and then I was upset about it for years? Or when you watch Bambi. Oh. You know, and Bambi's like, "What's that? <laughs> Mom dead." And you're kind of going, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just. Saying, I mean, it's a beautiful film. Don't get me wrong. And there's no real violence to speak of. Certainly no profanity. No whatever. I mean, it's a kid. I think it was rated G. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a really flawless, it's a masterpiece, but it's, uh, but it's not, but it's, it's not like, uh, they don't, they don't play down to kids. It doesn't condescend. I mean, it's very, um, you know, there, there are some moments that are, that are a little difficult to watch. So yeah. anyway, I'm just saying, watch it. Don't watch it. I doesn't matter. Nothing it. matters. KCMD Portland. Here's Tim Rada. Oh, here he is at it again. John McCain once again repeats that he wants a series of town meetings with Barack Obama. Well, let's select a few hundred Americans who are unaffiliated. Let's stand before him. Instead of the soundbite, instead of taking someone's comments out of context and flashing it around uh, on the cable shows, why don't we hear on the TV. complete answers and complete thoughts? Uh, Tim, do we have any out-of-context soundbites from John McCain that we can play later? Yes, we do. Fantastic. <laughs> you just scratched your eye. Oh, God. Oh, no. You just no. rubbed... Do you oh, another, you're doing it again. Do you want another white Oh, thing? no. <laughs> Burn him! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you a bell to wear like a leper. <laughs> Did you want any more? No. I've done all the door... Like, <laughs> I wiped off all the doorknobs. It's like our own Thomas Covenant right here in the studio. All right. The vice presidential search team for Obama's one person shorter. 
Jim Johnson has stepped down amid controversy over loans he received from Countrywide. Obama said Johnson has quit the volunteer post in order to prevent the controversy from impacting his presidential campaign. I don't know why these guys are in the news again. This should have been done like months ago. If they wanted to really make an impact, Paula Jones and Jennifer Flowers have launched a website where they discuss their alleged sexual encounters with Bill Clinton. It's called JenniferAndPaula.com. It features the pair in provocative poses and invites you to pay $1.99 to see segments such as... Wait, hold on. What What is it? JenniferAndPaula.com. You know, I don't find Paula Jones attractive, but I find Jennifer Flowers. Okay. I there's find nothing there. there's nothing there. Is it .org? Did you spell .co? Jennifer with a G? Oh, no. no sorry. Jennifer with a G. Did you spell it with a heart over the I? All right, here we go. Two um, chicks chatting? I don't find uh, Paula Jones attractive, but I find uh, Jennifer Flowers hot in a sort of slutty, slatternly kind of way. Uh, she says this website is not pornographic. It's nothing disgusting or nasty. I mean, I had a affidavit, a sworn affidavit, and filed with the courts. Hi, I ladies and gentlemen, welcome. And I really welcome. just kind of get together and comparing the stories and stuff. There's nothing, uh, you know, rude about that. Well, I'll, t- I'll play, is it Paula Jones or Britney Spears for $1,000? That's true. Seriously. Play that one more time, would you please? Certainly. It's nothing disgusting or nasty. I mean, I had to do an affidavit, a sworn affidavit, and filed with the courts. Uh, affidavit. Characteristics. And all we're doing is just kind of get together and comparing the stories and stuff. There's nothing, wow. uh, you know, rude about that. Oh, there's also JenniferFlowers.com. Is that a different one? Boy, Who's she, Jennifer Flowers? She's that freaky blonde lady. She looks She looks like a hairdresser. She looks like a Muppet. Like, she's had way too much, like, face Oh, boy, she looks way different than she used to. Uh-huh. Oh, she doesn't look hot at all anymore. No, no, her skin is saggy, her nose is too small, and her lips are all, like, inflated. Oh, but I forgot all about this. Did you... Who remembers... Kids, who remembers this one? Do you remember Jennifer uh, Flowers' book, the book that she wrote, Tim? No, Passion and Betrayal. Passion. Who's Jennifer Flowers? Jennifer Flowers. Ugh, boy, it's like 1994 all over again. Uh-huh. Uh, so... Jennifer Flowers was this woman who came forward. Have you seen the movie Primary Colors? Yeah, I did a, a while back. Do you remember the sequence where uh, a, a hairdresser named Cashmere McCloud has a press conference where she plays tapes of a conversation with Jack Stanton? I think so. And he's all, I'm, I'm so horny, I can't think straight. I gotta, can I come over later and get laid? Or whatever. That is basically a thinly veiled I retelling. Like Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it like Bill Clinton. His name was Rusty. I need to have sex. Uh, the um, uh, but Jennifer Flowers was this woman with whom Bill Clinton had a purported ongoing sexual relationship, and she held a press conference at which she played tape recordings of Bill Clinton. Pretty damning ones, actually, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's I used to, I'll have to bring them, and I have copies of them at home uh, from the movie The War Room, where where Bill Clinton is on tape talking to her. Clearly, in my opinion. Clearly implying that they've, like, been having sex for a long time. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, she looks like a skis, and so nobody cared. Uh, and plus, at that point, we were so sick of George Bush, not unlike now, that it didn't really matter. Um, but then Jennifer Flowers wrote this. And she's just, she just looks like, you know, who, the guy who described it. Uh, and then Paula Jones, another Paula Jones was a woman who claims that Bill Clinton propositioned to her for sex. Uh, and... James Carville had the best line about Jennifer Flowers and Paula Jones coming forward. Uh, James Carville said, you know, when you drag $10 through a trailer park, you never know what's going to come out after it. Uh, and But look at the cover of this book that Jennifer Flowers wrote. First, you there? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. She looks totally different. That doesn't even look like the same out. person. Wow. Yeah. 
That's some trash right there. That is. I mean the book. Uh, all right. Anyway, so there you go. So they've now got a. Why would they be doing this website now? That's a good question. Why are they? It's a way to get our stories out there. A way. And uh, tell the truth the way it happened and not what other people have speculated it happened. Well, people have forgotten about that. You know, and she posed in uh, Penthouse. Uh, Jennifer or uh, Paula Jones. She did. looks like she would. She did. You know, she's a hideous-looking woman, in my opinion, constitutionally protected. As protected by the Bill of Rights, I find Paula Jones to be repellent. By the way, not just because of that nose. Uh, <gasps> Jennifer Flowers has a record out. She has a CD. Who wants to hear portions of the songs on Jennifer Flowers' CD? I do. Oh God, the CD cover looks like it's like a it's like a sepia-toned glamour shot, like from Sears, with them like bad cartoon like lip prints on the front. All right, we you have your oh God, this is so awful. I might have to buy it so I can share it with Mike Chase. Um, so here's here are your choices. Do you want to hear Jennifer Flowers singing "Ain't Misbehaving"? Ain't misbehaving. Teach me tonight the way you do the things you do. Since I fell for you, or when a man loves a woman. Man, Tim, I I kind of like to hear when a man loves a woman. What do you think? Me too. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, let's see if it'll play here. Uh, transferring data, buffering. Uh, boy, that this plastic surgery. This she does not look good. She looks. Brand she, it looks like a different person. Because after you showed me the cover of that book, it doesn't look like that. Whoever that is. It. She doesn't look good here at all. Um. No, I'm waiting. Hopefully, this will play here. Come on. I demand it. Jennifer Flowers singing. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't even realize it was playing. There we go. Let's try it again. Is that Wing? This doesn't sound like when a man loves a woman. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thanks. You can buy this CD for just $34. $34? I'm sorry. That's the funniest thing I've read all day. Oh, wow. Was she a porn star or something? Because I kept trying to find pictures like of her, star. and there are like, all these naked girls. Uh, I don't believe so. Paula Jones posed in Penthouse, which is something nobody wanted to see, by the way. Um, it, she Jennifer Flowers wasn't a porn star, but she is what my friend Todd used to call porn star pretty, or was. By the way, the villain at the beginning of Incredibles, it, 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 he's, his name is um, Bomb Voyage. That is his name. Mm-hmm. Here's Tim Ryan. A former dancer has been squatting in vacant homes. Police have arrested a woman after breaking and staying in homes. Was she, were there a lot of dollar bills on the floor? No. Hold on, I'll pick those up. She was staying in homes that were for rent or for sale in Gig Harbor. Bree Davis is a former Las Vegas dancer. Uh-huh. She'd been on a squatting streak. <laughs> she broke into homes and stayed there for three and four nights. If there are squatting streaks, I think maybe you need to bathe. She's not that oh. unattractive, really. I'm just saying. God, that's gross. Wow, she's also unattractive. Whole streak of unattractive, you'll forgive the pun, streak of unattractive women. Uh, so now she faces uh, squatting charges. <laughs> Apparently, she broke into Rose and Randy Stewart's house. Normally, the squatting charge is only a couple of tightly rolled ones. Apparently, the real estate agent was trying to sell the house when Dallas broke in during broad daylight wearing high heels. They pulled up, and uh, they found the woman squatting inside. Uh Uh-huh. 
And she stole things out of the kitchen, too, allegedly. Mm-hmm. So by squatting, they're meaning staying there, not just, like, staying on the ground squatting, right? <laughs> That's, I'm they just, could have been both. I, I'm, the the, the, the entire both. investigation isn't done yet. I'm going to well, I'm gonna choose to believe that it's that, actually. Well, uh, that's as you might prefer it yeah. to be, I suppose. Uh, time for a Darwin watch. We've had so many of these lately. That people are getting crazier. Stuff is about to go people. down. Is this from oh, Chicago? Oh, Chicago? Yes. Okay, then it's the same one I had. Yeah, excellent. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. And another one goes. And another one goes. Another one bites. So here we go, Dateline Chicago. Alleged robber's fatal mistake created a rush hour headache for those above aboard the uh, CTA, I guess that's Chicago Transit Authority, leaving hundreds of passengers uh, stuck. Apparently, the alleged robber was apparently trying to make his getaway when he ran into a set of tracks, came in contact with the third rail, and was hit by a train. It happened along the red line, which is on 27th Street in Chicago. It was rush hour. Thanks, dead man. All the emergency vehicles are blocked. Just a feet away, two red line trains were stopped cold in the tracks as investigators tried to determine how a man's body became pinned under the train. Who cares? Just move it out. People are trying to get to work. <laughs> don't even, you know, it's not, maybe you don't even need to move it out. Maybe we just back the train up and then move it forward three or four or five times in a row. The body won't be gone. There anyway. Get a couple of shovels. One in the front, one in the back. Get it out of there. Get done. <laughs> now, the incident uh, forced the train to shut down a large stretch of the red line for two hours, using buses to shuttle 450 passengers from the scene. It delayed thousands more uh, trains downtown going to Chicago. You know, I think you might just be just as well served leaving the body there as a warning to the others. Uh-huh. I mean, in, in Chicago, they don't screw around. Uh, you know, you try to rob there, they're going to kill you, leave you on the tracks, and your body will be eaten by vultures. As it should be. Exactly. There's your Darwin watch for uh, Wednesday. Don't, don't, don't. Simple John McCain joins us What? Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. You know when they tell you at high school graduation, no cheering till the very end? Well, they met it in Columbia, South Carolina, when school officials in Rock Hill told graduation crowds to hold their applause to the end, and some didn't listen. They arrested seven people after they were accused of cheering during the ceremonies. Six people at Fort Mill High School's graduation have been charged in the seventh at a graduation of the York High School. They're charged with disorderly conduct. Police said the seven yelled after students' names were called. I just thought they were going to escort me out, said one. I had no idea they were going to put me in handcuffs and take me to jail. Is that even legal? What does it matter? It's in South Carolina. Who's going to question what the police do? <laughs> I suppose. You can't get one of your big city lawyers to help you now. No. What is a ute? Uh, one person was arrested and says he plans to fight the charge. He said he was simply clapping and giving a little woot when his fiance's name was called. I guess she was graduating. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Before the baby came. <laughs> Not everyone who cheered was arrested. There are a lot more people cheering than six and seven. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing at all, Tim. (laughs) Just your undoubtedly accurate read on the South Carolina culture. (laughs) We think it's important for every graduate's name to be heard and for every person in the arena to be able to see that person cross the stage. Whatever. We have some disruptive guests removed. 
Uh, last year in uh, Galesburg, five students were uh, denied diplomas from the city's lone public school, had to stop the graduation ceremonies after enthusiastic friends and family members cheered for them during commencement. Students can get their diplomas. Oh, they could get their diplomas after completing eight hours of public service. You know, that's just to make losers feel like they're not losers. That's all that's for. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but we all know it's true. Some people don't have friends or family. There's no one to cheer for you. Other students don't like you. You went through your whole college and high school education smelling like rotting cheese. You have no acquaintances. That's it. Uh, this is the hold, holds your applause to the end thing. That is just to make things socially acceptable for losers. So, I mean, it, it, which is, uh, the rest of the world doesn't help losers out. Why should it start then? I mean, really, isn't high school there to, uh, isn't high school there to get you ready for the real world? Isn't that what we say? High school is here to train you for social interaction. Guess what? In the real world, uh, they don't hold their applause to the end, and losers continue to be shunned. Uh, why continue this fiction that losers will somehow be popular? Not going to happen. Didn't happen then, not going to happen now. So there. So there. That wasn't a watch of any kind, was it? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, let's go to this uh, little John McCain clip. This is him uh, being interviewed by uh, Matt Lauer today, asking, uh, so what about those troops in Iraq? And he he just said it wasn't important when he was going to remove them. So here it comes. I advocated the surge policy before President Bush. Early on. You you actually called for more troops way before the president. But when the president passed strategy, was going to fail. When the president, though, came up with this surge at a time where everyone, it seemed, was thinking the contrary. You endorsed it with great conviction and great courage. And a lot of people now say the surge is working. Anybody who knows the facts on the ground say that. If it's working, Senator, do you now have a better estimate of what American forces can come home from Iraq? No, but that's not too important. What's important is the casualties in Iraq. Americans are in South Americans are in Japan. American troops are in Germany. That's all fine. Yeah, that's the same thing as being in Iraq. Jesus. You gotta wonder what it's like to sort of be a, a really, uh, you got to wonder what it's like to be one of those operatives inside the Republican Party right now. I wonder if they're already privately just writing this year off, and and you know, and oh, maybe sure. maybe 2012, if they're just sort of going to look. They need to put them in a tank. <laughs> <laughs> Go down the main street of every town, USA. I mean, oh, I thought you meant like an isolation tank. No, oh, that'd be fine too. <laughs> I thought you meant like an aquarium where he can't talk to anybody. I was just only picturing, you would think of it that way. When you, I was just well when they said to put him in. I was just picturing John McCain like inside, like a hello. If I can, my fellow Americans, but just like behind glass or something where no one can actually hear him, because every time he opens his mouth, all he does is he puts Barack Obama in the White House. I mean, with every sentence he speaks. So I have a debate. I mean, well, I mean, the debate really can only help Barack Obama more at this point because McCain seems incapable of getting on camera without saying something weird, out of touch, or creepy. Uh, like when he doesn't blink and when he turns his eyes, and I swear to God, sometimes when he moves his head, you hear like a little. As like the gears in his body like turn his head, and then I hope I mean, people can see that and they're creeped out by him. I would, I mean, it would be. I would say we do an insta poll, but I mean, we would get an undoubtedly biased sample yeah. for this audience. Well, he just but, looks so frail and ugly. It is true, Sarah. I mean, really, there's nothing attractive about <laughs> Spoken him. Spoken like a true American voter. He is. His, it, like just everything about him, he just looks totally sickly, and it's like that isn't somebody that I want representing our they country. Splash a little bronzer on him or something. He looks like uh, he looks like a grandfather who's really mean to you, who they claim he loves you. Does. Right, the grandfather who purportedly loves you, but is just mean to you all the time because of his because of his old country values. Let me beat you because it's God's will. <laughs> exactly. That's totally what that is. 
Now, look, I saw you take this piece of hard candy out of the dish on the table without asking. Now, I'm going to have to belt you for this. Now, that's just because I love you and because your grandmother and I want you to do what's right. Take off your pants. That's exactly what John McCain is. Oh, man. He does look like some elderly, mean grandfather who lives yep. on a farm. Exactly. He, like, got the grandkids up and they were visiting at 5 a.m. to go and, like, you oh, know. Oh, God. Oh, like, God. That's exactly what yeah. it is. No, you're giving me flashbacks, too, of, like, when you go to visit your grandparents on a farm and, you, you know, you just want to hang out and have a good time and then say, yeah, their idea of a good time. Get up and you're going to go buck some hay. And you're just like, I just <laughs> I hate my life. And, and Shut up. Go go turn butter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Nobody wants to vote for that guy. Nobody wants to put their mean grandfather in office. Oh. You know, and then Barack Obama, though, cool uncle. He's kind of the cool uncle you want to go stay with. Cool uncle who maybe isn't married, has kind of a girlfriend, kind of a swing in house, takes you to see a game. Takes you to Fenway Park. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, do you think that that new $199 iPhone is going to save you money over the older $399? model? Well, guess again. AT&T is raising its minimum monthly service subscription from 60 to $70. Now, that's an extra $240 over the lifetime of the two-year contract, more than the $200 initial savings on the handheld's retail price. Well, they need all this to buy uh... Never mind. I was going to do a joke there about Steve Jobs' gaunt and sickly look at the, uh, at the Macworld Expo or whatever that was. I couldn't come up with a joke. Go ahead. So anyway, as it turns out, because they don't make money when they sell the phone, they make it back later by charging you an extra service charge. You know what they're doing with those blades, Tim? I don't know. Selling them to you after giving you that razor. That's probably true. So the, so the iPhone itself is cheaper, but it's just the service is going to cost more. Yeah, so, so it, makes up, it makes up that $200. It is the illusion of savings. Yes. Yeah. So Steve, yeah, Steve Jobs looked terrible. I don't know if you saw any of those photographs of him. He uh, he looked bad, which I know he had the, the cancer a while back, but he, he supposedly beat it, so... Uh, would be it really would be truly unfortunate if he was sick again. He's uh, he's one of the one of the great men in, in our country. Time for the monkey watch. Here's your monkey Yay! watch uh, for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. <laughs> Scientists find monkeys who know how to fish. Bateline, Bangkok, Thailand, long-tailed macaque monkeys. Pause for a second. I don't have the macaque sounder anymore. I, You're kidding. I, what happened to it? Uh, it's one of those things that I lost. Macaque. Have a reputation for knowing how to find food, whether it be grabbing fruit from a jungle tree or snatching a banana from a startled tourist. Now researchers say they discovered groups of the silverhead monkeys in Indonesia who fish. Groups of long-tailed macaques were observed four times over the past eight years, scooping up small fish with their hands and eating them along the river. Uh, this is according to the researchers from the Nation, uh, Nature Conservancy and the Great Ape Trust. Uh, Great Ape. The species have been known to eat fruit and forage for crabs and insects, but never before have they fished. Well, but, wait, hold on. But that's not fishing. That's just picking. That's grabbing. That's well, not well, fishing. Well, nobody gave a pocket fisherman and said, use this. No, but it is fishing. I, isn't fishing when you have uh, when you get bait and you use bait to lure a fish, and then the fish is somehow caught by the means of an apparatus or a tool? Perhaps in the human world, but not in the monkey world. Well, what is so impressive about what they're doing? They're just seeing fish and picking them up. I suppose. Anybody? I mean, am I, am I out of it? Birds don't fish, do they? Does anybody go, no, there's just in. Birds figured out how to fish. No, birds see fish and they pick them up. That's all these monkeys are doing. 
You look, you know I root, I, I root for the monkeys to rise up and overthrow us, but that's just misleading. That's not fishing. That's just picking something up. Mm-hmm. Picking something up and eating it does not count as fishing. Hmm. Okay, end of story. Monkeys do not fish, regardless of what the, the, the fiction and the story might have you believe. Other primates have exhibited uh, fishing behavior. Uh, they include Japanese macaques, uh, kekma baboons, olive baboons, chimpanzees, and orangutans. Any further comments? No, I just I, I reject the story out of hand. I think that this story is this is misleading. I think that that's a that's a guy who wanted to write the headline "Monkeys Know How to Fish," mm-hmm. and so he. Put the headline, and then he just sort of squunched the facts around to try to make it look as though they were fishing. When they're not, they're just picking things up. So he misstated the facts. Look, if I put a fish on the ground and you came by and picked it up, does that count as fishing? No. No, because you're not fishing. You're just picking something up. That's all the monkeys are doing. I don't mean to sound unduly harsh about it, but it's, we need to have rigorous academic and journalistic standards for these things. You sound very ungrateful about this story. <laughs> no, I appreciate the story. I just wish that the story... Look, as I've said many, many times, what no one really ever talks about is how there are gorillas that apparently speak English. I don't know why that isn't... Like today, I don't know why that isn't a big story. I don't know why nobody ever talks about that, that we've got gorillas that can talk. That's impressive. Picking up a fish isn't fishing. Talking is talking. I am the Eggman. Goo 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 goo. There's your monkey watch. For, uh... I'm the only one who cares about this. I just spent the whole time through that search trying to find a macaque sounder. Yeah, I, I can't find it. Where did you even find that? Uh, it was from. Was it from a pronunciation website? No. It... Yes. Oh, that's right. That's, that's what I've been right. looking at. Nothing's read. And it was from that news story where the senator used macaque. Uh, as he, he used the word as some, it, it was like an inadvertent ethnic slur of some kind. Remember, there's a big a kerfuffle about that. Tim, how do you spell macaque? I've got it right here. All right. <laughs> Let's not have Tim attempt to spell that. Uh, well, how do you spell it then, Rick? Uh, I'm holding I'm getting it right here. M-A-C. I think it's A-Q-U-E. I believe it's that. Oh, no wonder I couldn't find it. Yeah. Wait. Oh, damn it. Are we racing? Yes. Yes. Hurry, hurry. Macaque. Oh, wait, no, I don't want to go back. Oh, wait, I, what do you mean install missing plugins? Damn it. That happens every plugins. time. Though. Oh, damn it. What do you mean install Apple QuickTime? Damn you, Steve Jobs. Wait. How does it let me say macaque? What? What? <laughs> let me try it again. Maybe One I can. Macaque. Hold on. No, damn it. Macaque. I can't, I can't play it here. Why not? I don't know. All right. Well, whatever. Uh, I, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, hello? Hello? Uh, hey, hey, Rick, this is CJ, provider of Family Guy DVDs. Yes. Um, I wanted to let you know, you may not know this, but uh, this fall, Fox is going to release a direct spinoff to Family Guy. The Cleveland Show. Yeah. Um, yes. And I, I have other stuff. Um, I have a question involving, uh, when I dropped off the DVDs yes, for sir. you, uh, there was another DVD I burned, and I was concerned that you may have not been able to get it to work. No, no, no. I, I do have that. I just haven't I haven't even put it in yet because I've been working my way through the Family Guy stuff. Ah, uh, okay. Um, also, I had an idea for a new monkey watch. Yes, sir. Um, are you familiar with a show called The Animaniacs? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, sort of. I mean, I don't watch a lot, but I sort of, yeah, I'm familiar with well, it. Well, they had a song called The Monkey Song, and I thought it sounded appropriate. You'd probably find it on YouTube. Animaniacs Monkey Song. I will look into it, sir. And uh, finally, another YouTube thing. Um, 
there's this pr- program called Mugen, M-U-G-E-N, mm-hmm. which is like a, a home homemade Street Fighter game where people like put pretty much any cartoon character you can ever imagine has been created for this thing. Mm-hmm. Like um, Peter Griffin versus Homer Simpson, excellent. and these and these are excellently you know created. So if you like M U G N Family Guy Simpsons, you'll probably find a video there. I will. Uh, I will indeed look for it, my friend. We're always looking for new things like that. All right, and finally on mooses, um, MythBusters did a moose special where they made like a rubber moose and hit it with a car, and it just peeled the roof off of the car. Like I guess the only. Analogy, I can think of it like a sardine can. Oh, yeah. No, it'll destroy your car. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, CJ. All right. Bye. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Uh, this is Greg. Hey. Um, so, uh, the macaques fishing. Um, I, okay, it <laughs> wasn't a monkey, but I saw this thing on, like, America's Funniest Home Videos because I'm married, and that's why I have to watch that. Um, and... There was a bird that was actually baiting fish. It, like, it was putting bread in the water. Baiting fish? Oh, I found something. The baiting, I thought. Oh, baiting, baiting. Not the, not the idiocracy kind. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But it, it, was, it was crazy. It was like putting pieces of bread in the water right off the dock. Yeah. The fish would come up to eat it. And then it would grab the fish. No, there's, a, I mean, there are, you know, all kinds of examples of insects or, in fact, fish themselves that have parts of their body that simulate prey. And then when something else comes to get what they think is prey, the fish eats it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then there, birds are freaky, man. You watch those David Attenborough shows about birds. Like, there's that bird that lives in England that man sort of encroached on where the bird lives. And so now the way the bird, what the way the bird lives is it'll pick up like big nuts and it'll go sit above a road. Drop the nuts onto the road, wait for cars to drive over them and break them, and then go pick it up and eat it. And yeah. it's just insane. I mean, it just it just weirds you out to even. It's like that bird that we uh, had that video on that can simulate the sound of a car alarm and a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, monkeys are impressive, but picking picking a fish up isn't fishing. No, no, that's not. That's, all right. Yeah. Glad we all agree there, sir. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Rick. Yes. Where'd it go, sir? Would you like? Uh, yeah. Where is that from? Um, how say dot com. I like the latest one better. <laughs> it won't stop. Why is it? Do it one more time. Macaque. Here's Tim Riley. Macaque. <laughs> David Spade's going to be a daddy. And he's not even with the mother of his unborn child anymore. The actor dated Playboy playmate Julian Grace, who's 22, briefly last year, very briefly. Well, it turns out Grace is pregnant and expecting a baby girl. Apparently, Spade and Grace broke up before he knew she was pregnant. And although he publicly has admitted the baby is his, he has said, it is true that I am the father of the child. Well, if it is true, then I will accept responsibility. Good for him. I found another one. It might be the lady. I like the lady. Macaque. <laughs> yeah. Macaque. Nah. I'll pass on that. That sounds like sort of a soul man kind of delivery. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, yeah, I was calling. Uh, I have a story about my grandpa. We all got dropped off there, and he lives on a farm when I was younger. So it was my brothers and I. So we were 7, 8, and 10, and uh, my parents were in Europe, and they told us that we would get paid $50 a day if we raked these sticks because they were building a house in this giant field. And let me, so, let, me, let me guess, they said that without your grandfather ever being told about that. No, that was my my grand. My parents didn't even know that we were put to work. My grandfather told us this. <laughs> of course. So we uh, we raked sticks 
every day from uh, dawn till dusk. God. So like 14 hours a day. And uh, <laughs> then at the end, we were like, so we uh, made a lot of money, huh, Grandpa? He's like, well, no, because uh, we had to pay for your food and you had a house over your head. Oh, bastard. Oh, oh yeah. man. I, I don't know why that is. I mean, and I don't think it's. People, I, I was going to say generational, meaning I don't think it's grandparents from a certain era. I think it's grandparents in general. It's like when you become a grandparent, you go one of two ways. You either become really, really, really nice and sweet, or you just become like an absolute jerk about things. You either spoil them or you give them nothing. Yeah, that's and you know what? And, and if you give them nothing, it's because you think that, well, Dolores, you spoil those kids rotten. They come with me. They're going to learn what work is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Jesus. I think we all have post-traumatic stress disorder from some weird nutcase grandparent that we had to go hang out with. All right. Good story, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Here you go. I love that <laughs> raking sticks for 14 hours a day. That's always the ultimate grandparent and parent trump card, too. Well, you got room and board, don't you? All right. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a penis watch. Here's your pe- this is a great one, isn't it? It is. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start to melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. This comes here from Nyack. Nyack High School students who plotted the annual senior prank this week, wound up getting pranked themselves. The initial plan was simple enough. Seniors would go into the high school late at night, remove nearly all the classroom desks and chairs, and line them up in the shape of a giant 2008 on the field behind the school. Well, senior Aaron Cummings and about 100 uh, seniors came <laughs> to the school around 8.30 p.m. They worked for several hours arranging the desks. But it seems another group uh, came out to the field afterward and rearranged the desk in the shape of a penis. <laughs> Leaving that image that way for everyone to find in the morning. Fantastic. Personally, I was very upset to see all our hard work turned into a huge penis, said Cummings. <laughs> said Cummings. Oh, boy. She was proud of her class that they were able to cause a little chaos on that date. In a public letter, Principal Daniel Nicholson said he gave seniors permission to arrange the desk in the 2008 shape. Local police were uh, were queued in ahead of time to that. Uh, Sergeant Harry Bowman of the Clarkston Police Department said they believe a group of seniors went back and changed the design. Uh, though because it was a senior prank, both police and administration said they wouldn't look into it further. Nobody was injured. There was no damage. And underclassmen uh, got to think about what they'd like to do for their senior prank next time, said the interim president, Larry Lefebvre. Can you... Larry Lefebvre? Larry Lefebvre. Can you read that one that one real money sentence again there where uh, she complains about the work being made into a giant penis? Uh, let's see here. Uh, Personally, I was upset to see all our hard work turned into a huge penis, said Cummings. <laughs> I wonder, now do they know it was students? Do they suppose that when it came to rearranging these chairs into the shape of a giant penis that it could have been the work of some kind of monkey? Macaque. That's true. Perhaps it is. Okay. Now, is that the only penis watch you have? Well, let me look here. Don't we have a second with the baby? No, I only have a... Uh... I didn't get the baby penis. <laughs> you wow. Must you must have it in your stack. <laughs> Wow. Is it, it must be in one of your piles right I don't, 
Well, give me a minute to find it, because I don't have... I swear to God we had this discussion. And by the way, it's not just me that's crazy today. I think my vacation mode is catching, and everybody sort of got it. It's like a, it's like sort of an emotional pink eye. It's a behavioral form of conjunctivitis. <laughs> it's the pink eye of the soul. <laughs> um, I checked. That is the only penis story I have. I thought we had this discussion at the top of the show. Well, I'll have to find it. I'll have to print it back out. Um... Well, we'll have to come back and do the second half of the penis watch later. We'll do a supplemental penis watch because i got to find it and print it. Yeah, we should take a break here. Come back after this. Uh, we'll talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Filmmaker Dan Merchant. Uh, more from Tim Riley. Uh, later on, Peter Carlin and the top five and uh, so forth. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back after this. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. Everything is going my way. Damn you. All right, thanks so much. Wait, so you're playing this off YouTube and it's nothing but plane crash footage? Oh, God. That's what you get. That's your instant karma. You know, if you'd asked me, I would have played it. I have it over here with no plane crash footage. But why would I want to ask you? I'm supposed to be messing with you. I totally forgot about it. I forgot that this even, uh, I forgot it was my pre-flight day. My there's no feeling. Get to Mr. Skin here in a moment. When I look, I see there's nothing there. Later on, filmmaker Dan Merchant. The face beside me stopped you totally bleeding. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, as well as today's top five. You know, we'll have to do the other half later. Oh, God. Wait, why, why do you keep looking at the screen if you know it's plane it. crash footage? They can't change the screen or else it'll start skipping. We no, because now there are people crying. Telling Daddy goodbye for the last time. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. It's 503-733-2970. Can I tell you how many times I've been in an airport and I'm tempted to whistle this while I'm in the waiting area just to see if anybody else knows what I'm doing? Just sort of a... That would be so mean. If I heard somebody whistling that when I was... I think I might do it. And just to see if anybody sort of, you know, grocks what I'm doing. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, our good friend Mr. Skin from the online celebrity nudity database. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Rick. How's it going? It's uh, going well, my brother. What is up in the world of nudity? Well, we have, uh, with Father's Day this Sunday, I thought I'd do a special top five list for you, and this is uh, Naked Daughters of Famous Fathers. Excellent. So I'm going to give you, let me start with, uh, you remember in the O.J. Simpson trial, Robert Kardashian. I do. Who, uh, of course, represented O.J. Well, he has a a daughter named Kim Kardashian, who we're seeing on uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And uh, on that show, she's many times shown uh, 
putting pants on and things showed half her butt. And anyone who knows her, that's the equivalent of a whole butt on most actresses. So uh, Kim Kardashian is number five, uh, Robert Kardashian's daughter. Another famous dad whose daughter's been naked is Ron Howard, who we know as Opie. Uh, we know from Happy Days. We know him as a great director. He has a daughter named Bryce Dallas Howard who did a movie called Manderley a couple years ago where she is completely nude. It's pretty wild stuff. So uh, Ron Howard's daughter, Bryce Dallas Howard, comes in at number four of Naked Daughters of Famous Fathers. Uh, number three is Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. His daughter, Liv Tyler, stars in this week's uh, uh, Incredible Hulk. Uh, she's one of the co-stars in the movie, and uh, she doesn't uh, get naked in, in this, obviously, but uh, if you want to see her nude, check out a movie from 1998 called Stealing Beauty, and uh, she has a, a nice topless scene there. So... Uh, number two on my uh, Father's Day special, Naked Daughters of Famous Fathers, Tony Curtis, the great actor. Uh, uh, we all know and uh, know many of his movies. Well, his daughter is Jamie Lee Curtis, and um, uh, I'd say one of the most famous nude scenes of all time. Trading Places. Lee, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis in Trading Places. Any guy over 25 knows that scene, and uh, you can say what you want about Jamie Lee's, uh, uh, her look, uh, no one is going to question the greatness of her breasts, and it was shown in Trading Place as one of the all-time great nude scenes. And uh, finally, uh, Father's Day special, uh, fa uh, Naked Daughters of Famous Fathers, number one, John Voight, uh, we remember him from Midnight Cowboy, but... He, uh, his daughter is one of the hottest babes on the planet, Angelina Jolie. And for an American mainstream actress to have been naked in ten movies already, that's uh, pretty wild. And uh, the best is a movie called Gia from 1998. Uh, without question, her best movie for nudity, but you have nine others to choose from. Duly noted, my friend. You are, as always, doing the work of the Almighty. <laughs> All right, my friend. Have a uh, good week. We will talk to you next time, sir. All right, Rick. Take there care. you go. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Fantastic. Uh, Richie Bristol, can you obtain filmmaker Dan Merchant? Thank you. In the meantime, this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Here we go. We have that supplementary penis watch. Here's your uh, supplementary penis watch for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> Should I play it again? Nah. No. No. Never mind. So anyway... From the south of London comes the story that will shock parents around the world. A baby bore the second penis on its back. The tot was born to farmer Lee Jun and his unnamed wife, who live in the Hejin city of central China's Hinyin province. Uh, he was rushed to the children's hospital May 27th for surgery to remove that extra penis that he will not need. The rare condition, the first for the children's hospital, is called fetus. So do they save the penis and give it to a poor boy who doesn't have a penis? <laughs> the boy, it's, not like a, it's not like a man without a face. The boy without a penis. I, I was going to say, how presumptive of them to say that he's not going to need his second penis. I know a lot of guys who would welcome the addition of a second penis. Do you know what I mean? Are you sure? But then that would be like an extra penis that you'd have to make ha like keep happy as well. Well, you have to stand sideways if you want to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know which of those comments to go with. Except to say this, Rick, this email says, No one on the face of the planet has ever used the phrase, I seem to have lost the baby penis, which would make a wonderful addition to the awful things Rick has said sound montage that you sometimes play. All right, there's your supplemental penis watch. Um... All right, well, more from Tim Riley here in a moment. Later on, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Top five songs with the word pink in the title. Uh, and don't forget, we're going to be gone uh, Thursday and Friday, but back Monday. Um, 
All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Lake Oswego-based author and award-winning television writer-producer Dan Merchant, uh, who is the master behind, uh, mastermind behind the new movie Lord Save Us from Your Followers, uh, which makes its debut this coming Friday at the Hollywood Theater, uh, June 13th. Dan, hello, sir. Hey, thank you so much. It's great to be here, and I'm, of course, pleased to be following the boy with two penises. Well, I always try to give everybody a sterling lead-in so that if nothing else in the interview, if nothing else goes right, you can say, but at least the interview was strong and memorable. So, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. So I'm going to plead a little bit of ignorance here because, and, and please don't uh, take this the wrong way, we get a lot of stuff sort of sent to us, press releases, books, gigas, oh, tchotchkes, whatever. And a copy of Lord Save Us from Your Followers has sort of been sitting in here on one of the, the, the sort of the shelves here in the studio for the longest time. And it was kind of on the list of things that, that I meant to read and meant to get to. And, oh, sure. and, and I just haven't. Um, and somebody said, hey, you know, Dan Merchant, is, he's got this film with the same name, Lord Save Us from Your Followers. It's going to be the Hollywood Theater. And I mentioned that on the air, and I immediately got a bunch of emails from people who are like, who had, you know, seen sneak previews, or they've seen little bits of it. One, uh, there's a guy we know who is actually a Sunday school teacher, uh, and he just went on and on about how, what a great film, it, you know, it was. And wow. So I don't really know, you'll have to forgive me, I don't really know much about it, except that it's a documentary, and I know that it's, uh, it's got tongues of wagging, as they say. <laughs> Well, right on. Well, well, the the elevator pitch, as, as they say, is that uh, it, it's a it's an observation of the collision of faith and culture in America today. And uh, one thing I like to point out when uh, you know a guy goes out and makes a movie and writes a book called Lord Save Us from Your Followers, I am indeed a follower. So as a as a Christian in America, uh, you know I've been uh, been embarrassed more than once or twice by my brethren, and of course have done my fair share of the embarrassing through the years and just trying to get to the bottom of, of what the heck is going on in our country and and really um, kind of personally upset that we've been settling for you know this us versus them kind of mentality where if you don't agree exactly what I with me on on all the things I believe then to hell with you and that's not actually what the good book preaches and uh, I was just trying to figure out what was going on in the country well, you've so got, we, I mean I'm looking at the list of people who are in the in the film and you got on the one hand you got your Al Franken uh, you know and you got your and then you've got a guy like James Dobson, who I think the average American considers to be a nutcase. Uh, and I'm not asking you to say that he is, because I know he's in the movie. You've also got Rick Santorum, also a nutcase. Uh, just, I mean, guys who are just sort of, I think, leading to the a coarsening of the dialogue, as they might say. So you picked Portland to show this film in because we are the most godless people on earth. Am I right? Well, this is true, and uh, and it's fascinating because there's an awful lot of uh, pretty excellent things going on in Godless Portland. I mean, this uh, this season of service thing that's going on, where the the city, uh, you know, throughout this proclamation, where they're coming together to work with the faith community to, you know, try and fight poverty and work on homelessness, and you know, that's not the kind of thing that we're known for. And it's kind of cool that people are trying to go. Okay, let's just figure out. How we can we can make this city a better place? How we can listen to each other a little more? And that's kind of what the point of you know talking to both Al Franken and Rick Santorum, whom I probably disagree with in unequal measures, but I, I, I like both of them. I mean, they both have thoughtful things to say, and we really are trying to provoke thought and really start a conversation uh, with the book and the movie. I will tell you this. Here's the email. It says uh, Rick, and this is from our good friend uh, Todd uh, the Corpse, who is a Sunday school uh, teacher and a good friend of the show, and he says. I recommend that everybody goes to see this movie. I saw a sneak preview at my church, and I was blown away. It's a completely balanced portrayal of religion in America. 
He says its purpose, I'm reading the email now, he says its purpose is not to be all, quote, Jesus-y and shove religion down your throat. Um, And he said the message of the film seems to be if you are religious or, in fact, if you are not religious, you should just shut the hell up about what other people are doing and mind your own life. Fair, fair, fair assessment. Mostly fair. I don't. I don't know that it, that I would have. Uh, cer- certainly, it's it's. We're not proselytizing, and certainly we're not demonizing uh, people. And yeah, I, I mean, I, he's being tongue in cheek. I think with shut the hell up and do your own thing. That's actually you know, me. I'm actually. I actually oh. added the shut the hell up part. <laughs> I was going to say you sort of veered away. So he actually. Uh, here's what he actually says. He actually says, uh, "Shut up about how everybody else should be living, and just show people what being religious looks like by how you live your life." Uh, and not shoving it on them. So I myself, by the way, I demonize people constantly, just so you know. Like between you and I, demonizing people is about 80% of what we do on the show. It's well, you got a lot of time to fill, and you, you get a lot of laughs out of demonizing people. So I appreciate what you're up against every day. All right. So the, is there a website for this? Is it LordSaveUsTheMovie dot com? Is that correct? Yep, that's right. We're we're opening at the Hollywood Theater uh, Friday night. We've got nightly shows at seven and nine fifteen, and we're we're doing a little bit of the do gooder thing on uh, on Saturday. We've got a, a benefit screening at one o'clock for the Oregon Food Bank, and a four forty five benefit screening for the uh, the season of service. So. Uh, we're we're going to try and give back there. I like what those people are doing. They're reaching out to help people who need it, and uh, that makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Right? Right, it really does. LordSaveUsTheMovie.com. Uh, the book and film are both called Lord Save Us from Your Followers, Dan Merchant. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thank you, Rick. There you go, Dan Merchant, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So, well, uh, Well-spoken, man. Uh, yeah, because I've had that book, and it did pique my interest, but then I stuck it on the shelf and... <laughs> Never. The other book not unlike like the up. Bible. It went on the shelf. Something you meant to read, and then you just never did. Oh. All right. Um, from the ridiculous to the sublime, we have Rick. Uh, oh, this is uh, from uh, our friend Tom, who works at Northwest Galaxy, one of the guys that sort of uh, works hand in glove, so to speak, with Taboo Video. says, I have a few copies of that Kim Kardashian porn DVD, if you want to watch it. No, not for no, me, I thanks. No, I'm all I full of there's uh, sporting events going on there. Like swimming? Yes. Like all kinds of... Like know, water like, polo? Yeah, like water polo. Like You're kidding like me. Water really? Sports. Yeah. Is she... Is she uh, jumping into the water? Or is, uh, or is the water she's, jumping under her? <laughs> I, think <she's, laughs> I think she's taking a shower. No, I can't. I was trying I to find a way to work the other word, and then I just can't. <laughs> hello, Tim Riley. Well, hello. How are you? Oh, I couldn't be better. And you? Here's what we gotta uh, gotta get through today. Still, uh, Peter Carlin will be joining us. Uh, he's gonna uh, talk about a little bit about that Polanski film. Uh, he's got the, a little bit of music he wants to play for us as well. There's, uh, I guess, an alt country show coming up that he's just he, he rare, very rarely is Who this. Is it? Uh, it's it's a guy named um, it's a guy named Hayes Carl. He's playing with the old 97s. Uh, who are a pretty great band, I think, of the Roseland. And Peter Carlin is very, very, very rarely just to be like, dude, he actually emailed me proactively. I have to come on and talk about Hayes Carl, who's going to be performing. He's just, a, I guess, an artist that he's really, really into. So, uh, anyway, so we'll talk to Peter Carlin about that. We'll also do today's top five, uh, top five songs with pink in the title. This, however, is Tim Riley. It is? Yes, it is. Well, you're still here. I am. Would you like to leave? No, I enjoy being here. So I was thinking you do like two more, then we'll take a break, come back, reset. Okay. All right. I think that's a fair... You're always assumption. welcome here, Tim. <laughs> Thank you. I, I feel very comfortable here. Um, Marcel Aribi, who once weighed a uh, half ton, has slimmed down to 700 pounds. He's celebrating his 43rd birthday with a simple wish for the coming year. To be able to stand on his own two feet, to be married. Interviewed at his home in northern Mexico, 
uh, he can still do little more than sit on his bed. He said more than two years of steady dieting have helped him drop 550 pounds. He hopes uh, Guinness Book of World Records will confirm in July that he holds the second title, the world's greatest loser of weight. <laughs> of course, he's still unable to walk his fiance Claudia Somas, down the aisle. I bet she's a real catch. It frustrates me a little because it's not easy to get out. I wonder if... <laughs> That's what she said. Wait, no. I guess that wouldn't make any sense. Well, I'm maybe it is. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> his most recent attempt to escape his house to attend her birthday party fell through... To escape his house. When it's a like he was flatbed being... tow truck brought to transfer his reinforced bed <laughs> got caught in an underpass. But he is not deterred. Are you making this up? No, we're in love. And this year, my birthday wishes to be able to stand when we get married. My wishes to be able to stand when we get married. Good to see you back on your feet again. Mm -hmm. He said he met Solis, a 38-year-old hairdresser, four years ago, and they've been together for the last two. Please tell me there's a picture of her. We are a couple. A couple of what, Tim? <laughs> we have sex. <laughs> what? Why would you say that? He said we have sex. Well, I know That's you're a newsman. You're just well, really people are wondering, isn't that the main question <laughs> here? True. That really is it. Was it have or have? He was proudly showing off. Her engagement ring. Uh, he says the life as a heavyweight is not always easy. She says of her future husband, I bathe him every day. Oh, I'm going to be ill. Gross. <laughs> we get along very well. Uh -huh. And yes, people say things. They say it's a fake relationship, but what we have is real. Why do people say it's a fake relationship? I don't know. Why does she bathe it? Well, I guess I know why. I mean, he must have to be bathed every day, I would imagine. Oh. He's bedridden for the most part. Uh, her family's opposed to the match because her first husband was also obese and died. Oh, I know what she is. They're worried about me being involved with another fat man. <laughs> she's a she's a fatty, fatty fan fan. Uh -huh. That's what she is. Uh, let's see. Oh, the uh, the fat man himself is a former auto parts dealer. He said his uh, birthday party will be a low-key dinner with his family. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're going out. But the last time out, it scared me so much. Uh, let's see. Oh, we crashed into lighting conduits on the overpass. I thought I was going to get an electrical shock. He said his weight problem was spiraled out of control after he moved to the United States. Of course, of course, in 1988. Why not? And he indulged in a nonstop diet of junk food, and soft drinks. Mm -hmm. So he brought his American ways back to Mexico, and it ruined his life. Well, Have you ever heard of that, uh, people who are super fat? Um, have you ever heard of that thing called squashing? No. I watched oh. it Please on, tell me what it is. I, I watched it on uh, Tyra the other day. She uh -huh. had a whole thing on it where um, people will pay like morbidly obese men and women to sit on them. Oh, now did you ever read? And just like squish them. Oh, did you ever read that Dan Savage book, Skipping Towards Gomorrah? No. Yes. Okay, Tim read it. I read it. You got to read it. It's okay. a book about the seven deadly sins in America. And for and he goes like you out. Interviewed him right after that came on. Yeah, he came on the book to promote that. Um, and uh, he 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 goes out on the road and he examines each of the seven sins, seven deadly sins, gluttony, sloth, pride, whatever, uh, in America. And for gluttony, he uh, it's a whole chapter about fat fetishists. Mm -hmm. And it's where it's women who are like, I mean. Full on, like eight hundred pounds. Oh yeah, because Tyra had a bunch of them on the show, and like one of them was like a world famous squasher, and they were like, there are these men out there who look like completely typical men, but they get their sexual arousal from yeah. being repeatedly squished by these morbidly obese women. And they got the the, the the you know the men are called feeders, 
and the women are eaters, and it's like, how big's your eater? Well, she's 700 pounds, and it's like, oh. that's the dynamic. It's, it's like a, with the, you know, there's like a, 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 like a dominant and a submissive. Well, this is like a feeder and an eater. And so it's a guy whose whole goal is to get, like, his wife as fat as humanly possible. You've got to read this book by Dan Savage, Skipping Towards Gamora. It's really, really, really good. Oh. Um, I don't know where my copy went. Uh, it's sort of around somewhere, but you really had to read it. Well, then we don't have really time to, but I feel like we ought to do this here. Do you have the story about the woman who married the Eiffel Tower? No. Okay, well, we'll get to it later, maybe. The, the woman who has a sexual probably thing for a piece of the Eiffel Tower. All right, well, in any event. She's we... marrying the Eiffel Tower? It's, you... <sighs> it's kind of hard to explain, actually. We... we were warned, if we ever allow gay marriage in this country. <laughs> What's next, Tim? Mary, marrying an antelope or the Eiffel Tower? All right. All right. Let's take a break. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Thanks so much. I feel bad for misquoting Todd. You should, because that was a big misquote. I sent back an email, too. I said, well, because my mouse froze, and I was trying to do the email from memory, because I couldn't get the email up on the screen, and so I'm like, blah, 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 what? And so I said it as me. All right, I sent Todd an apology. Sorry for inadvertently shaming you in front of a fellow Christian. What are you doing? I look straight at the uptown. I hit the post then. That's what I do. Okay, I should suffer because I misquoted Todd. Let me look at the crash footage. He wow. See, I'm being punished for misquoting Todd's email. This is my penance for Catholics in the house. Oh, wow. Isn't that messed up? And this isn't for you, Caver. My Caver's flying today, too. Oh, really? Uh-huh. She's a freaked out flyer, too. What's the cost of a ticket right into the side of a mountain? <laughs> Come on, that's funny. That's my trademark gallows humor. Oh, uh, grieving family Why members. Why would you make a montage of grieving family members to Blood Rock COA? I'm going to find a guy, the guy who made this video, and just interview him and be like, what is your deal? There you go. The YouTube video says, someone close to me died violently. This is my tribute to her. Rest in peace, Kelly. And then it goes right to a picture of a plane exploding. It's flowing out wow. Hey, by the way, the I-84. That was so funny because it just answered you. You're like, I want to know why I did this. Oh, there's a picture of a dead body with a toe tag. Oh, come on. You should post this on your site so everybody can suffer. The sheets are The I-84 is closed. Mile post 16 going east. Wait for it. Here's the money line. There's another corpse. God in heaven, teach me how to die. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Oregonian, with a heart full of hate and a head full of boggle pieces. TV critic Peter Carlin. Hello, sir. Hey, man. How's it going? Uh, we're just rocking out to Blood Rock here. That's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life, man. You know that song, don't you? No, sir. You know, that was a, that was a top 20 hit in 1971. For who? Uh, the band is called Blood Rock. The song is called D-O-A. Uh, that was a top... That was a number 17 hit from all the way back in 1971, Peter Carlin. 
Wow. It's and it's going out tonight, too. Yeah, it's but see, it's, it's become a whole thing on the show. As Sarah was going to say. Yeah, you... It's tradition. Whenever I, any of us are flying anywhere, we have to play DOA. Cause it's all about a plane crash. So it's this horribly horrific, bad, like, sub-Pink Floyd song about a... Uh, uh, about a, a guy dying in a plane crash, and it's all from the point of view of a guy who's already dead and doesn't know, and he's bleeding to death, and it doesn't even rhyme, and you know whatever. But um, wow. But it was, a, but it was a, but it was an actual top forty hit. It was, I think, it, it was top twenty and number seventeen. And people, and people have sort of forgotten about the song, but it lives on in the hearts of like, you know, some music enthusiasts because it's like the weirdest song ever to go in the top twenty. I had people name check Blood Rock to me before, like, oh, you wouldn't have heard of them. Like, actually, yes, I have. Uh, yeah, so a guy a listener actually dropped off the whole LP that they put out, but it's. Uh, it, it, it is a song that could clearly, it's like that song Timothy by the Boys, you know, a song that could just never be a hit now. Uh, but, uh, you know, anyway, so there you go. So we play that every time somebody in the show is going to fly. And because the money line there is the God in heaven, teach me how to die. <laughs> right, which which follows the line, the sheets are red and moist where I'm laying. I mean, you. it's a whole weird, there was a weird time in American music, you know, where everybody just had a big mountain man beard and they wore overalls and nobody bathed. Yeah, that's how I remember it. You know what I'm um, talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very. I yeah, I do. And yet the obsession with death, though, I don't quite get where that's coming from. I don't remember that at all. On our behalf, or remember, from the song. I just remember, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. Did you go to see the slow, uh, the swell season? No. Uh, the the you know the the folks I know from the, who they are. the movie yeah, once. Once I dig that. I did you it. did you hear the story? Did you hear what happened there? No. Okay, so uh, that leads me into this. Um, so we're there at the swell season, you know, because I was a big fan of the movie once, and blah, 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 and that guy was in the commitments, too. And Anyway, so there we are watching it, and the guy, uh, Greg Hansard, Hansen, Hansel? Yes. Hansard. Hansard. Glenn Hansard. He's up there, and uh, he's telling the story about, he's like, so earlier I was out walking around and getting a cup of coffee, blah, 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 and he's talking about that, but before the gig they were out walking to you know, Seattle's best or something. They're getting a cup of coffee. And he talked about how he ran into a kid on the street who was a big fan. And they talked about music and life and going for what you want, whatever. Yeah. He's telling the story on stage. And then he actually says, and uh, the guy, Paul, are you here? Oh. And you hear this kid way up in the balcony going, hey! And the kid is there. And he goes, well, do you want to come down and sing a song then? And, and the crowd, I mean, is like, ah! And so this kid... You hear him like bump, 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 running down the balcony, down the stairs, runs all the way down the middle of the aisle at that place. Where is it? The Keller? Yeah, run all the way down the middle of the aisle, up onto stage. Turns out he's 16. Yeah. A, he's 16. B, right. it's his first ever concert. Whoa. C, uh, you know, Glenn is apparently his idol. Uh, you know, he just worships the guy. That's cool. Glenn brings him up on stage. Glenn's like, so what do you want to sing? And the kid says, I, I ask you not, the kid says, uh, Brandy, you're a fine girl by Looking Glass. And and the and and what's even weirder, I guess maybe maybe it's an American song, maybe because because the guys don't know it, the guys in the band don't really know it, mm -hmm. and the kid kind of sings the melody through once to them, and 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 they're like, okay, well we'll follow you, wow. and so he starts off singing this acapella, not bad actually, this acapella brandy, wow, and the band that their chops are sort of smart enough, uh, you know, that they're able to follow along, and they. You know, they're able to more or less, once they kind of get the melody, they're able to more or less kind of kind of vamp it and, and play along with it. And so the guy is, the kid is up there doing this, you know, and it's a really good rendition of Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. And what was actually really impressive is that at one point, the band kind of lost the thread at one point, about two-thirds of the way through. And they clearly, they, they, they couldn't find the chord. And the kid, though, in front of, Jesus, I don't know, 3,000 people or whatever the hell it is, um, he... 
he keeps going and doesn't get distracted by the fact that he's on stage in front of 3,000 people singing a, a song to which the band has completely lost the thread. That's awesome. And then the band picks it up again, and they end gloriously. And uh, we actually had him on the show the next day, and he was still just like... The kid I, or Glenn Hanson? The kid. And really? the kid, because I, I, I ran into him by accident in the lobby wow. afterward, and I'm like, you got to come on my show. And the kid, he was just sweating bullets and looked like he was about to vomit and... It was great. It was a really, really cool moment, and it was all about. And who? What sixteen-year-old knows brandy by the Looking Glass? She yeah, I know. No that's, sense that's at all. The only part of that story that disturbs me. Yeah, I mean, it was really great. And and he's like, I'm like, so are you in a band? He's like, I don't know. We've been talking about getting together. Um, I don't really know. And I'm like, dude, you got it. I'm like, first of all, never go to another concert until you're the headlining act, because it's never going to match this. Right. You, know? you stay home. All right. Hey, speaking of concerts, Peter Carlin. Hey, yes, sir, Rick Emerson. <laughs> am I supposed to? Am I picking up the ball right now? Well, here's the thing: is I had I know the old 97s, but I had never heard of uh, his name is Hayes Carl, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally on the stump for this guy. And in fact, I have a whole column tomorrow, which I sort of uh, came up with a really limp thread to to make it relate to what I'm supposed to be writing about. Mm -hmm. But mostly, what I wanted to write about was this guy named Hayes Carl, who's a uh, sort of this alt country uh, singer songwriter out of like. Arkansas somewhere, Texas somewhere, and he um, he uh, his new record is called uh, Trouble in Mind, and it's terrific. It's on Lost Highway, but his previous record he actually self-released, and uh, and and it was so, but it became like this this big deal, and so it like actually it, it was like the first self-released album ever to top the uh, the Americana charts, which I guess admittedly is not the biggest chart in the world, but to go from like printing up CDs in your own living room, I guess, and having it be on the top of any any chart in Billboard magazine is, to my mind, impressive. Anyway, my friend Ryan White, the sports writer, came around to my house a couple months ago and brought me the CD he burned for me, which was this, this, this album called Little Rock. And uh, it's like I never heard of this dude either. And you know how it is when someone gives you a CD. It's a little bit of a mixed blessing. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, it's good to get turned on to new music. And on the other hand, it's a downer because, like, if you don't like it, you still have to listen to it. So then when the guy inevitably asks you, would you think of that, you have to have an answer. You can't bluff your way through you it. You can't. you yeah. got to say, like, oh, I just, like, I skimmed the first couple tracks and I hated it, so I threw it away. You can't say that. <laughs> so he gave me this record, and I thought, oh, man, now i got to listen to this record. And then I put it on, and it just, like, blew me away. And, in fact, from the very first song, and uh, which you can play... In a second, but let's just say that we're going to do right now a top five. These are my top five, for the moment, favorite Hayes Carl songs, and I'll talk you through it like we do these things. But the important thing for everyone to know is that this new record, Trouble in Mind, by this fellow Hayes Carl, which is spelled C-A-R-L-L. -L, it is, yeah, Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S-C-A-R-L-L. -L. is a terrific, transcendent piece of work, and it's, it's just got all the right kind of smart, hip kind of laid-back country sort of uh, sort of vibe. He's just this, this very sort of like uh, uh, cowboy hipster. But cowboy's maybe not the right word. But let's uh, let's just play the first track off of uh, no, the one. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to get the volume adjusted here. This is called uh, I'm Glad I Came, but I just wish I hadn't stayed so long. Yeah, it's kind of a perfect country song to my mind. I have to say that I was impressed. I'd never heard of this guy, but I was putting these together, and I was really impressed with it. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like you think, oh, great, another hard-living, hard-drinking country guy. What do I need to hear this for? But then you get into it, and you realize 
No, this is fantastic. Let's just get to the chorus and move on. I got all the time in heaven, but no sense to wonder why. the hook which is really strong Isn't I mean, it's, it yeah it's really really good and then he elaborates upon it a little later i mean the bass goes in a slightly different direction the other tune that blew me away the first time i heard the record and then i went back and re-listened to it the whole thing about three dozen times is the tune we're going to play next i think this called. is called down the road tonight yeah this Peter is Carlin. One, it's like an old like country stopper where he name checks all these different things that like he sees on the highway supposedly but but somewhere in there he you know it's everybody from uh, Ray Wiley Hubbard to the Dalai Lama to Michael Jackson by the way anybody who makes a Ray Wiley Hubbard reference is okay with me yeah. i heard that this morning and that he immediately he won my heart at that moment yeah <laughs> pretty great yeah it's just an old-fashioned just sort of country stomper you know but it's just like you know but it's just a bunch of wild and weirdly disconnected and yet strung together images and ideas and names and stuff you know i love the the, the uh, suddenly out of nowhere he yells out that michael jackson peaked at thriller yeah <laughs> just like so this is, by the way, while we're talking about this, is when is this show? Sunday night at the Wonder Ballroom. Oh, Sunday night. So I might actually be able to go to that. Cause I'm, I thought it was going to be uh, gone. So I will actually be able to go to that. Excellent. Oh, right on. All right, yeah, fantastic. yeah. He plays first, like a little after eight, I think. So he's opening for the uh, the old ninety sevens. But but he is he is the whole reason why I'm going. So let's move on to the new record. <laughs> What are you? Uh, Nothing. I just—it's great. You're officially gushing, which I think is great. Isn't it cool? I'm like on the street team. Yes. Is that what I am now? Yeah, you really are. Next, you're going to be pasting up handbills. See, but here's the thing. The reason why I'm doing all this is because, like, this dude—I like—I called around to these radio stations that should theoretically be playing this guy, and they're in this town, and they're just like, no way. Oh, Have call them. call the request line. That always works. Oh. Pfft. Yeah, I'll be sure I to get that the, on for you. <laughs> I go straight to the program directors and badger them <laughs> with all the might and fury of the Oregonian, and oh. so they hang up. But uh, <laughs> okay. But at any rate, uh, no, yeah. But you know, it's. I think it's like it's so hard to listen to new to hear new music because nobody, hardly anybody, plays new music ever. It is true. And especially, you know, so it's like, and this thoughtful kind of stuff. It doesn't come with like a billion dollar, you know, promotion budget. You know, you gotta, you know, when something good's out there, it's sort of like it's the critic's imperative to, uh, you know, to, to do something about it. And so here you are at the end of the line, the Rick Emerson show. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's it, man. All right. The bottom of the barrel. The, the next song is I've Got a Gig. This is my favorite tune off the new record, and it's just, it's just got this beautiful riff, and it's all about this sleazy bar he used to work in. I mean, listen to that banjo. And then and he's just got this beautiful sort of poetic uh, sensibility. Eight-line machine and a sailor's daughter. Something makes him crazy going up on the water. I'm playing for my supper, six 
sucker for banjo when it's done uh, correctly. Well, bluesy banjo, I don't, I haven't heard a lot because he's stretching those notes. Which yeah. if you try to do that on a banjo, it'll rip your fingers to shreds. <laughs> Where is he from? Dude is from um, like Arkansas, I think. But he like lives in Texas. Now. Just once, I want a country singer to be from Manhattan. Just well, once. Well, some of those guys, like Eddie Rabbit was. He's from Brooklyn or something. Is that true? See, that's so great. I would love a, a country singer from Queens. I think that's where the dude came from. Or he's like Brooklyn or Queens or whatever, not one of the nicer boroughs. Are we, uh, which brings us to Faulkner Street. Yeah, this is a groovy song. It, this takes you right to the stones. It is, it is very stonesy. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of somebody. I can't quite put my finger on who it is. Yeah, it's like it's out there. It's like it's some perfect. It is both familiar and new all at the same time. See, that's the thing. The cool thing about this song is that it's like a memory of hardy, hardy days gone by. But the core, you get to the chorus and listen to the words. Trouble in mind. It's like something went really wrong after this moment in time, but he doesn't quite get around. He only implies what it might have been. And just so we will are aware, so this is a Sunday night at the Wonder Ballroom. Yeah, uh, opening for the Olympics. Okay, Pace car. We got one more tune, right? This is the one that's totally right off of Exile and Main Street. Oh, wait, not this one. I'm sorry. This is the straight-up country. Too. No, this is it. This is it, my friend. This is the end of the line, this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one called She Left Me for Jesus. Is this the She Left Me for Jesus, and it's a thing if I find Jesus, I'm going to kick his ass? That's the one. That's pretty great. I mean, i got to get with a guy who writes that. I was telling Sarah actually before uh, this whole segment began that this really is uh, an exception from you. This is, this is really the idea that you were proactively saying this is so great we have to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know he was. Um, well, let's get to that line about if I ever find Jesus. Here you go, right here. That's pretty great. Yeah, you know, and it's cute and funny, and it's a great, you know, but the other thing is it's just a great country tune. It's got, like, three or four different hooks going on in it, and the guitars are just so crunchy and right on, and it's just, you know. Anyway, I can't say enough. So, people, by the record, go see the show. Go up to them afterwards and, 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 and tell them, congratulate them on the job well done. Peter Carlin demands it of you. That's right. All right. I'll be there in the front row. All right. I will not be there in the front row. I'll be lurking at the back sullenly and antisocial. Right. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, we are uh, sadly very, very overtime, and Sarah's going to cut my head off. No, that's cool. Uh... No, 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 we're done. All right, brother. Uh, well, next time, next week, uh, I know it's going to be like way after the fact. Next week, we'll talk Roman Polanski, though. Oh, sure. Yeah. Or, or, you know, whatever. Uh, until then, my friend, I'm gone the rest of the weekend, so uh, enjoy your weekend. And, Where is uh, it that you're going? If going, I going to sunny San Diego. Yeah, so, I, and in a weird way, I hope the weather still sucks here tomorrow, because that way I can sort of, you know, because if the weather suddenly turns nice, then being in San Diego is less impressive. No doubt. So uh, I'm hoping that it just drizzles for the next two days so I can just sit there with a fish taco in one hand and, like, my phone on the other and taunt everybody I know.
That'd All right, brother. Vacation for I will see you on Sunday night then, sir. Have a good trip. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Back after this with Tim Riley and the top five songs with pink in the title. You stay there. Here's Run DMC. You don't go anywhere. Easy, oh, oh, thank you. Thanks. I'm ready to go. I'm standing here. I wish you'd told me I would have queued up like a crashing sound effect. No. <laughs> That's why I don't tell you. You evil, evil man. John Denver is a beautiful man. <laughs> But also, this is also the song from uh, Final Destination that you keep uh, hearing over and over again before playing this horn. Already I'm so lonesome I could die. Doesn't he just make you happy? Yes. Do you like John Denver, Tim? Tim sounds happy. Do <laughs> you like John Denver? Yes. Do you really? He played a lot of good bathroom songs back in the day. Five or six minute songs? One good whiz you could do during these songs. <laughs> You pee for six minutes? Well, weak stream. <laughs> Isn't that what the Flomax commercial says? Do you suffer from weak stream? Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, a huge stream of news, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. There's some urban legend saying that sheep were loose on the I-84. I got an email about it. Somebody saying there's sheep on the I-84. Somebody please count them and get back to us. <laughs> but what if they won't be able to because they'll fall asleep. That's true. How many sheep are on the road, Bob? One, two, three. <clears throat> Come on. That's funny. That was funny. I wish that... Uh... Yes? What are you doing? I'm, I'm just saying... Oh, are you going to call somebody? I was going to say I could call up and pretend to be the guy in the road counting sheep. That's funny. That would be funny. This is Jeff. There's sheep out on the I-84. How many? I don't know. Me look. One, two, three. Never mind. That was funny. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> A couple of kids broke into the cafeteria at Beaverton High School today and got caught trying to steal food. One of the alleged uh, food thieves is 19-year-old Jeremy Allen Saunders. And there's an undisclosed 16-year-old who is a student at Beaverton High School, so he's the inside guy. Yeah. Beaverton police responded to an activated alarm at 1.30 this morning. Once at the scene, police found Saunders and the other boy attempting to steal pizza, cookies, and ice cream. They were going to take it home on the bus for free. Well, Saunders is a resident of Bozeman, Montana, while his accomplice is a Beavertonite. Oh, I see. He's not even from here. No. He came down here to t take advantage of the Beaverton folks. Yep. Came across our border to steal, Tim. They heard our pizza was better here than what's served mm -hmm. in Bozeman. Mm -hmm. He should go back there after mm -hmm. he does the jail time. After a flogging. Nancy Sinatra is appearing before the House of Representatives today to weigh in on performance rights. The bill was introduced at the end of last year and could entitle musicians in the U.K. and U.S. to performance royalties from radio stations who pay nothing to play their music in America. When did that start? I don't know. She's making that up. She's making that up. I saw her in that uh, Frank Sinatra video. Really? Playing some of his old shows from the 60s. Yeah. She was there with their boots made for walking the other day. Well, that's it for now. It is time to do... Five, Here's your top five four, three, for Wednesday. Two, one, fire. Do you want me to find a piece song? Do you really want to find? You want to come back with one? No, it's okay. I don't. I, I don't hate pink. I'm indifferent to pink. 
Yeah, I don't, I, this probably isn't the best platform for you to enjoy pink anyway. Whatever. I mean, play it, don't play it. I really don't care one way or the other. If you played it, that's great. If not, that's great, too. Here's Tim Riley. And what with the awful, horrible, no good, very bad spread of pink eye... Jeff, the CBS Radio Complex. Let's take a moment to ponder the color, the shade, and the songs named after it. These are the top five songs with pink in the title. Honorable mention going to Bruce Springsteen and Pink Cadillac. This is a great song. Truly a great song. Cadillac code for something? Doesn't that the big prize for selling uh, cosmetics or something? It's a Mary Kay. <laughs> He's in love with a Mary Kay woman. Honey! <laughs> I've always wondered if there was a, a double entendre happening here. Maybe not. It's really a great song. It's a great rock song. Wow, that's pretty great. I haven't heard this song in a long time, actually. Because I avoid KGON as though it were made out of cancer. Uh, all right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, these are your top five today. Number five, Nick Drake and Pink Moon. Oh, that's me. That's, I played the wrong song there. I'm sorry. That's uh, Here we go. Play the wrong song. So Nick Drake. Um, the only reason I put him higher than Springsteen is because he's become sort of legendary, you know, because he's dead, died at 26. This song was in a Volkswagen commercial, actually, not too long ago. That's where this song... Do you, guys know, do you know Nick Drake? So, Nick, it's a pretty fascinating story. I'm not the biggest fan of his music, but he had all of these problems with, like, mental illness and depression, and was on all kinds of, you know, medications to try to keep himself sane and so forth. He recorded these albums. No album sold more than 5,000 copies. Maybe he re basically recorded three albums no one ever heard. He records this, which was his final album, it, when he was, I think, 24, and just said then, Effett moved back home with his parents, and basically no one ever saw him again, and he died. And then years later, one of these albums somehow got re-released and got a real huge following in Britain. was a hugely influential on, like, The Smiths, The Cure... And then in America, they used it in the Volkswagen commercial. But it's a pretty perfect rock tragedy. Recorded three albums. No, nobody heard them. I mean, the three albums together sold, I think, less than 10,000 copies. And he went back home and lived with his parents and died. Uh, and then years later, they were sort of discovered. And they be, be, became pretty famous after his, uh, after his death. It's kind of a, kind of a perfect rock and roll uh, tragedy in some ways. All right, these are the top five songs with Pink in the title. Number four, Pink Panther theme. Henry Mancini. I think this is a remix of it. Oh, one of my friends had this as her ring back tone for like two years and made me hate the song. Did I get old? Oh, man. Okay, Tim, maybe you can help me with this. I'm unclear about the timeline here. The Pink Panther song, the Pink Panther movies with uh, Peter Sellers, and the Pink Panther cartoon. Uh -huh. What what came in what... Uh, in what order did all those things happen? I think it was the movie first, then the cartoon, then he sold Insulation. So did this song, was this song made for one of the Pink Panther films? It was in the film. The original film, The Pink Panther? Because that was preceded by Shot in the Dark. When a shot in the dark, and then Pink Panther? 
pretty great song, though. Sweet. Yeah. This is the Henry Mancini version, too. I can see why this would get on your nerves, though, if you had to hear it every time he called somebody. Oh, yes. It was it was Elaine's ringback tone. Oh. Really? Why? I don't know, because she thought it would be funny and then forgot about it because she never <laughs> hears it. <laughs> because she never calls herself. Oh, I can totally see why that would... Uh, yeah. yeah. Counting down the top five songs with Pink in the title. Number three is Weezer with Pink Triangle. This is a great song. Do you know this song? I don't know yet. It's off uh, Pinkerton. It's about falling in love with a, a girl who turns out to be gay. She's the gay. It's a pretty sweet kind of dorky song, the kind of thing that Weezer does really well. One of the great lost Weezer songs. But it's about he meets this girl and she's perfect for him and they're, they're friends and he falls and he's planning their wedding because he's looking forward to the day that he's going to propose. And he's gone so far as to plan marrying her and then he sees her wearing a shirt with a big pink triangle on it and realizes her heart can never be his. It's got the greatest lines that open a chorus, though. a great song it really is you don't get a better line than i'm dumb she's a lesbian mm. hey that new uh, weezer album is really good by the way don't believe it anybody else tells you all right ladies and gentlemen counting out the top five songs with pink in the title number two the psychedelic burrs with pretty and pink good job i really vacillated about whether this would be number two or number one i almost made this number one great song Oh, by the way, that song Life in a Northern Town by the Dream Academy, that is about uh, and dedicated to Nick Drake, that guy we were playing earlier. That song's about him. By the way, we're still looking for confirmation about there being sheep on the I-84. What a great song. Counting on the top five songs with Pink in the title because everybody here has Pink Eye. Number one, as expected, John Mellencamp, Little Pink Houses. That deservedly so. I, I'm an American. This has to be number one. Yeah, ain't that American. Great song. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through like us. That's right. Hear that? You know, this doesn't sound dated at all. Mm-mm. I was thinking of those songs that Peter Carlin was playing earlier, the kind of old country guy. If this came out, that I mean, this is this itself sounds like a very Americana song. It does sound a lot like alt country in a way. This came out today, which sounds exactly the same. Hey, darling, 
After this, to wrap it up on the Rick Emerson Show. I don't know where that would be. Uh, all right. I listen to the Rick Emerson radio program. What? Is it like a, a farm from, it's from, from some... the cock? Yes. It is a sign where macaques cross the road, or macaque cross the road, crosses. I don't know how you... Macaque. Richie, if you could join us in the studio, please. Macaque. What? Macaque. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. We know, wow, you're really loud. Hi. We're now ending the saddest part of the broadcasting day, final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, don't forget, I'm gone tomorrow and Friday. Uh, back, one hopes, on Monday. Uh, hello, Richie. What are we preparing for the people for the next couple of days? Uh, best ofs. I know that, but <laughs> how do you mean? Did you pick some, like, just randomly? Uh, we had a couple listeners. Uh, well, me and man Chris suggested one, and Melissa, and I'm going to put So would here. you like to uh, spill the beans? about? Yeah, let us know. What, what kind of things will people be hearing in the next couple uh, of days? The time you guys were uh, robbing the, the vending machine, you and Big Jim. Yeah. When we broke the vending machine. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then also, I, I'm sure uh, Film Fever Radio will appreciate the day after the listener party. <gasps> awesome. <laughs> Suggestion by Mailman Chris. Okay. That's <laughs> what, should we not? <laughs> no, no. Isn't that Our... the day where we were just ream, reaming Scott and Aaron for like yeah, an hour? Yeah, it was all good nature. And plus, that's that's all past. We've all mended our fences. and I bleep it all out, too. Okay. <laughs> You're rolling your eyes, indicating that that's not really true at all. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I won't be I here. I know. I didn't pick him. Uh, and go only, on, Richie. And there's only eight minutes of Richie, so don't worry. All right. Well, just, you know, you you, you, I want to request the episode where um, where you figure out, or we're trying to figure out if you're oh, a man Oh, God. Yeah, that episode where you where you figure out that she's a dude. Oh. You yeah. totally got to do yeah, that. We got, where's always Friday? Yeah. No, you got to do that. Okay. All right. All Should right. we try to take one call before the end of the show? Okay. This will be the last call of the week. Full okay. Scary. What do you say, Sarah? I say yes, Rick Emerson. Last call of the week. Please don't suck. Is it me? Yes, it is, sir. Oh, God. how you doing, Richie? I miss Richie. Fine. This, this is Big John. Hello, John. Hey, I was disappointed you guys didn't have uh, Aerosmith Pink in there, man. That's like my favorite Aerosmith song. I toyed with it, but there's only six slots. I really, really did, and I just couldn't figure out what to what the get rid of it. Something had to go, sadly, so... Oh, well, All right. anyway, it was a good list otherwise. Thanks, brother. Sorry that I suck. All right, that's okay. Don't worry about it. We <laughs> all have our moments. You were fine. Thank you. All right. Uh, no time to be fair to another caller. Uh, we'll be back uh, Monday with live shows. Don't forget, Tim and Sarah Rich will be here tomorrow. Uh, I'll be gone Thursday and Friday. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Rowling, the phone's Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper's Dave Zinn, director of engineering Brian Jones, webmistress Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F with Me Reynolds. We want to thank... Steve Kastenbaum from CNN, CNN's Lisa Desjardins as well, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, and Dan Merchant. Uh, his website is lordsaveusthemovie.com. 
all right. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Uh, like us next. Michael Mara Show at 7. Uh, we'll see you all uh, live again on Monday. Thanks for listening. Don't let the bastards grind it down. Be safe. I'm huge. Bye now. Macaque.